You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Spider Man Far From Home. Yes, I am finally getting caught up on all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. The backlog on movie episodes is almost done. Of course, DC had to interject a little bit of chaos into things by releasing Wonder Woman 84 here in December. Actually, by the time you hear this, it'll be January, but, you know, releasing Wonder Woman 84 in December. So there's another movie that I got to add to the backlog, but I will catch up in just a few months. (laughs) I'll finally be done. And then we can start looking at old movies, you know, and by old, I don't mean that they necessarily have to be 40 or 50 years old. I just mean movies that have already come out and, you know, we'll do more retrospective kind of stuff until we finally start getting a real slate of movies again. And hopefully, since the release schedule's been better, we'll keep on top of it this time. So I'm excited. I hope that you're excited. And yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home, since it was the last MCU movie, it's still a timely release because we don't have anything that happens after it. So all of our commentary, all of our predictions, stuff like that. I mean, it's still out there. So all the things that we're talking about might still come to fruition. So I am really excited about this. Like I've already said, just the news about me, Beth and I still watching stuff. We're watching doom patrol. We're almost caught up on that. Almost wrapped up on watching quantum leap. So I think we're going to start watching warehouse 13 because that's something that Angie recommended. And that's going to be our next older TV show to watch. And after Doom Patrol, we're probably going to switch to The Mandalorian as our sort of modern streaming show that we're going to watch. And then I'm not sure after The Mandalorian whether we're going to go to WandaVision or if we're going to go to Star Trek Discovery. I am probably going to go on the side of Star Trek Discovery just because I don't want to get too far away from it. I want to catch it while it's still fairly fresh. But yeah, we'll watch those things and then move on to the Disney Plus releases their new TV shows. So yeah, it's a fun time. Uh, It's an exciting time for the 42 cast. Of course, we still have our Skylar Samuels interview coming up in just a couple of episodes. So that's really exciting also. But uh, yeah, other than that, not much else to say. So without further ado, let's go to our episode already in progress. Let's meet our guests for this week. So, first up, I usually wait to introduce him till last, but I don't know why I do that. We might as well just get him out of the way first. It is my nemesis, the guy who hates Pluto, and that is Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing great. I always assumed you saved me for last because you saved the best for last. That's just (laughs) how these things work, you know? Yeah, it's just just the bitter pill that you don't want to swallow. (laughs) Keep putting it off, huh? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) No, I I think it's delayed gratification. Of course you would say that. (laughs) I think the facts are on my side on this one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what's been going on for you, Ryan? 
Uh, like since the last time I did one of these. Um, yeah, it's not... probably been a month or more. <laughs> Dude, uh, no, not much. Um, and so far as nerd stuff goes, just counting down the time till uh, Dragon Con and. And considering the news today, glad I don't have a room at the Sheraton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. It's interesting. You know? yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that's about it. Um, I have not wanted to buy, a, like, a, a toy, or, or, you know, in probably what, 20 what years. What are we talking about? We've, we've shifted conversations. Yes, I do that. You need to keep <laughs> yeah. up. Okay. I'm going to talk about the Unicron You're talking toy about buying toys, and I'm a little worried about what's coming next. <laughs> it is Dragon Con. Okay? No, that's true. I know. That's why I'm saying that. Like, that's that segue. That makes me worried. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you can fix it in editing. You know? <laughs> no, I was just going to say that. I saw a really uh, kick-ass Unicron um, mm. toy. $575, but, you know, it's, it's like three, two and a half feet tall. Okay. You know. <laughs> when you say 575, I thought you were going to say 575 pounds. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Give a <laughs> it's too. It's actually the size of a person. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay, that's cool. No more weird segues. That's all I got. Okay. So uh, have you have you finally made the, the great move that you were going to make that will give you copious amounts of free time uh uh this is my last week oh okay. so next week is you know i have no more excuses <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> suddenly we're just gonna see update upon update on your website uh, you'll see an update i gotta stick my toe in the water just do it a little bit of time you know okay. so so what are you doing now this very minute? Well, no. What do you mean? What's the What's the new job that you're going to? Oh, wait. oh, oh. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I picked the one that was further away because it pays more. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's uh for um, well, basically, we've, there's a medical center here in Houston, and MD Anderson is a um a big uh participant of that, and they do a lot of research and labs and everything. Mm. So you know, I will be there. Okay. <laughs> I won't actually be doing anything. I'll just be there. <laughs> so I want to know how you apply your knowledge of ants to this job. It's, uh, it's, it's standard operating procedures. It's lab work. It's uh, okay. I mean, it's 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 basically having a degree. It's, it's I don't have uh, the high enough degree because you know, grad school didn't happen. I don't didn't have the high enough degree to uh, get paid the real money and do everything. But I can do grunt work in labs. Okay. Well, that's good. That probably that probably beats what you're doing now. So it's more rewarding. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um. So yeah. So you made a big post about hurricane season starting. So are you anticipating any <laughs> any interference with Dragon Con? Well, I mean, it would not be the first time. Okay? <laughs> I, I just mean, was this... like, why are you tempting fate like this? Uh, I'm not tempting fate. I'm just I'm keeping an eye out. You yeah, know. Okay. I mean. Uh, two years ago, we had Harvey and I couldn't make it at Dragon Con, and um, I don't remember when Charlie was, but I remember one time we almost didn't leave Dragon Con because there was a hurricane uh, passing near Atlanta, and so it's like that would be the better problem of the two. Yeah, if I have to pick, that's the way to go. But <laughs> right. it's always a roll of the dice, you know. Mm, sure. Yeah, and now the Sheraton, you know? right? Yes. <laughs> Bringing it back. You know? That's right. 
<laughs> yeah, I really hope that they get that taken care of before Dragon Con, because that's going to be a huge mess if one of the five hotels is uh, out of commission. Yeah, that's that's going to be really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. By the time this one airs, it'll all have all passed anyway. So. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't spend not, too much time on it. Right? Well, oh, well, yeah, if not, oh, God. <laughs> this is when the outbreak happens. <laughs> Patient zero. Oh, that's right. <laughs> all right. Well, it is, it is an experience to have you back, Ryan. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good to have you back. Uh, um, next up is another person that you've heard on a lot of these episodes. Uh, she is someone that I have known for, oh my god, um, almost 20 years, I think. Uh, she is a cosplayer, a mom. Uh, she is my friend Angie. How are you doing, Angie? I'm good. For some reason, I thought I was going to get the last slot this time, so oh, okay. I'm fully prepared. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, uh, so uh, how have things been going for you since the last time you were on? Uh, pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm doing what I normally do in July, which is hide out till fall mm. um, and uh, just catch up on shows that I haven't gotten to watch. Um, unfortunately, this summer's been super busy, so I haven't got to catch up on anything. Um, but, you know, jury duty's fun that way and <laughs> kids' birthdays and vacations and, yeah, so... I've done a lot of a lot of mundane stuff and nothing terribly exciting. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, as you know, I finished Fringe recently. Yes, I have started rewatching Fringe recently. <laughs> so, so does that mean I have to delay until you finished your rewatch to to do a recording? Mm, no, um, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <I'm good. laughs> I, I feel strongly enough about the show. I could talk about it for hours, regardless. Okay. I just have to prep to tell you when you're wrong. Oh, okay. Okay. You don't uh, need to prep for that. You just did. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do think you misremember some things, because some things that you told me I was watching for and they never happened. So, um, you know, but that makes, I mean, you know, when you haven't watched something in, you know, however many years. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, what are you, uh, what shows are you catching up on? Not catching up on. <laughs> I'm sure. still like at least a season behind on all of the Berlantiverse. Mm. Um, I did. I finally started uh, the most recent season of Legends, and then my husband watched ahead of me, and now I have to catch up. Mm. Um, caught up with Jessica Jones, obviously. Mm-hmm. That immediately became my number one priority. But basically, everything else that I like to watch, I'm a season behind on except agents of shield i am <laughs> i am clawing my way through every week okay making sure that i at least get that in okay okay what about legion are you following legion right now no oh <laughs> i need to catch i know okay <laughs> did i mention the jury duty yeah no 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 yeah you mentioned jury duty <laughs> Yeah. So okay. No, that's fine. I, I was just I was just thinking because you know obviously I'm gonna want to do a recording about Legion since this is the final season and all. So I will n- I will not be behind for long. I it's killing me sure. right now. But uh, yeah, no, no, I get it though. I get about the busy schedule and not being able to keep up with stuff. Um, that's it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, at some point though, because um, 
you know, uh, you watched the gamers movies that I sent to you. At, yes. at some point, I get, need to get you to watch Journey Quest, which is made okay. by the same people. And um, the same thing. First one's kind of low production quality, but they increase as they go. And uh, but Journey Quest, instead of bad going back and forth between the gamers out of the you know and then the, the actual storyline, this is all within the the universe of the story. But it is very much like a D and D campaign kind of thing. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, and it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, well, um, Angie, it is very good to have you back on the show. Yeah, it's good to be back. And finally, rounding out our cast, he is a guy that is watching through all of Doctor Who. He is uh, a, a a producer, an actor, a writer, a director. I, I don't know. I mean, he's uh, he he's, he does it all. And that is my buddy Joe. How are you doing, Joe? Uh, wow. Uh, apparently, really good the way you described me. <laughs> well, don't you have like uh, some movies up for like award, like some short films up for like awards and stuff? Uh, I wouldn't say awards, but they're oh. at festivals. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. You get awards at the festivals, I, right? <laughs> or is that I, not how it works? Once, oh, okay. once I got best trailer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. Um, unfortunately, no Oscars yet. You're already doing way more than I am, so <laughs> I'm impressed. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, Joe, uh, uh, how have you been, and and what's been going on for you since you've been on the show, which I think has probably been a while. Yeah, I don't even remember. Um, yeah, I've been uh, writing and making videos. Uh, my latest one is My Two Clones, which is was at the Chattanooga Film Festival. It's going to be at a film festival next week. Um, that's a short video where I uh, have two clones, if you couldn't tell from the title. Um, well, it just spirals out from there. Yeah. I'm, I've uh, written a feature film script. Uh, I've co-written a book that should be coming out soon called Road Trippy. Uh, what else have I done? Oh, I'm also working on a TV show at work. Um, it's like in the vein of like those like movie wraparound shows like Elvira or Mystery Science Theater, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be called House of the Son of the Dragon. Uh, it is a uh, horror movie show hosted by Dracula, but the twist is that he thinks it's a horror movie show and then is very confused when a kung fu movie plays instead. <laughs> okay. So every episode is a kung fu movie, and Dracula is just struggling to try to figure out how to um, do bits in between the the segments. So... Because he was expecting a horror movie. Does Dracula have anyone to play off of? Uh, I have a couple of other characters here and there. Um, the, my, uh, there's the Grim Reaper is going to be in it, mm. and uh, the original. I actually had a uh, a different idea for the show because we the place I work at um, acquired a bunch of kung fu movies, and they were like, "Let's make a show uh, wraparound." And I came up with this idea called Taekwondo Joe. Um, <laughs> But uh, that was going to be just a uh, karate teacher who, uh, instead of teaching a class, just rolls out a, a TV and plays movies instead of teaching. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I like that. I like that idea. I like the fact that Kung Fu, yes, learn martial arts from watching the movies. I like that. 
Um, but my boss didn't, uh, he didn't think that idea was weird enough. So <laughs> then it turned into the Dracula thing. But Ta- Taekwondo will uh, appear in an episode at some point. So okay. I'm keeping the character around. Okay. He hosts a uh, show that he thinks is a kung fu show, but it turns out to be a horror movie show. Okay. So. Just okay, so I there's symmetry. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. And they swap places, and they're both played by me. Mm. Um, they change out. They swap outfits, but they're the exact same outfits, and it's very confusing. So. <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I hope it. I hope it gets together soon. We haven't started filming yet, but soon, hopefully. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, how's the podcast going? Uh, going really well. Uh, we are over halfway through the penultimate season of Tom Baker. The uh, last one we watched was Nightmare of Nightmare of Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't recorded that one yet, but that's the last one we watched. Mm-hmm. I think the last one that went up was City of Death, which was great. I know. Written by Douglas Adams. Oh yeah, I love Doug- Douglas Adams. <laughs> I was a huge Douglas Adams fan before I was before I was a Doctor Who fan. So mm. I've been I've been itching to get to his era, and now we're here, and I am I'm enjoying all of those good good jokes <laughs> that he steals and reuses over and over again. <laughs> yes, yes, he he knows how to uh, to milk a good joke. Mm-hmm. All right, well, it's good to have you back on the show, Joe. Good to be back. All right, and you know what time it is next, kids? It's time for our five-minute controversy. And this is the segment where we just talk about some issue in the Geekosphere and just sort of mention how we feel about it. Gives you a little insight into us, and it gets us a little bit loosened up for our topic. And this time, I wanted to talk about um, Lou Ferrigno's comments about the MCU Hulk. Um, I don't know if you guys all read the the link that I posted in the uh, in the Facebook page, but uh, basically Lou Ferrigno says that he can't take Mark Ruffalo's Hulk seriously, um, and uh, you know talked about how Bill Bixby, you know, you could actually feel it when he got angry, you know, and 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 you know you could really you could really get into the mindset of you know this is this guy's the Hulk, he's got this rage and and he turns into this monster. So, um, just out of curiosity, do you guys feel that that has merit, or do you think that Lou Ferrigno is just basically an old man saying, get off my lawn, or, you know, how do you feel about that? So, um, let's start with you, Ryan. Um, you know, I actually think it's both. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't think they're necessarily, you know, mutually exclusive here. Okay. Uh, when, when I read it, it was an observation which, frankly, hadn't occurred to me, but as you read it, it made a certain amount of sense. I remember, you know, the 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 anticipation, the the not not the fear, but just the sort of oh my god, here it comes. Whenever you see Bill Bixby turn around and the eyes were a different color, and and you knew it was coming, and it was a big big deal. It happened every episode, you know, but uh, it was still a big deal. And uh, I do feel over the course of the MCU, from um, it, it is kind of a big deal in the uh, Norton version. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was still kind of a thing. I mean, he was struggling. He was in 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 the Incredible Hulk. He was still trying to control the Hulk. So there was still this sense of uh, you can debate the methodology and so forth, and that's fine. But there was still a sense of um, dread regarding mm-hmm. it. But from Avengers onward, with each iteration of the Hulk, the Hulk became 
less of a ticking time bomb that could turn on his friends as much as the enemy as he did yeah kind of like a, a the a running gag I, I don't know if this is because they haven't been able to do another hulk movie with it to, to focus on that psychological aspect of it or if it's just the way it's kind of worked out i don't know that it's ruffalo so much he's working with the material he has mm-hmm. um so I don't think that's a, a failure of acting ability or anything like that. I've seen him do roles where he can be intense and, uh, you know, terrifying-ish. So I don't think it's really that. Um, I just think it's, yeah, it's kind of, the Hulk is kind of like an afterthought. Now, having said that, I got to throw in here that I have met Lou Ferrigno unintentionally at conventions two different conventions <laughs> twice and both times he was a jerk to me so, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing my wife was there to hold me back or otherwise there been... <laughs> oh my <laughs> yes because you, you you would have shown him who was boss right Ryan? absolutely you know, uh, yeah, in the 90s, you, know, you know even at 60 whatever he is right now I'm pretty sure that he could fold you into a pretzel <laughs> You know, he he's, he's lucky that he's not here right now. Okay, that's all I got to say. <laughs> no. But I mean, like in the 90s at Dragon Con, uh, we were on it. My wife and I were on an escalator going up and I heard this shrill whistle and said, move it. And we turned around and he's coming barreling, running up the escalator. And we pretty much had to dive out of the way else we were run down by the Incredible Hawk. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like, well, that's kind of a. You know, jerk move. But then I got to think about, well, you know, celebrities don't want to get trapped on the escalator. I could see that being being a thing. Or maybe he had a uh, signing to get to. Or, you know, I was like, like fine. It was a jerk move. He was rude about it. But, you know, cool, whatever. And then, like, four years ago, four or five years ago at Phoenix Comic Con, I was checking out of my hotel. And I was next in line to check out. And he cuts in front of me <laughs> at the hotel to check out. You know? <laughs> Now, again, I was tired and exhausted. It had been four days since the con, so, you know, I kept my mouth shut and didn't uh, didn't give him the peace of mind that I should have. But, yeah. but having said that, kind of agree with him to a certain extent on this okay. article. Okay. Now that you've, you know, digressed into something that has actually absolutely nothing to do with the topic that we were hey, talking about. Bring up Ferno. Just... I will bring this up. <laughs> Just so that you could have your little uh, anecdotes there. But, um, okay. All right, so um, I, I probably should have checked on this beforehand, but uh, Joe, uh, have you have you ever even uh, seen the original Incredible Hulk TV show? Uh, yeah, I've seen. I, I haven't like watched it all the way through, but sure. I've definitely seen episodes and stuff. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I've so, seen so you're, you're familiar one with or what, two of the movies. Yeah, you're yeah. familiar with what it is. All right, so um, but yeah, what do you think about um, Frigno's comments? Uh, yeah, I kind of agree. I can see what he's saying. Uh, Bill Bixby and, to a certain extent, uh, Ed Norton definitely did have sort of a more that more Jekyll and Hyde uh, intensity to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's there in Avengers as well with uh, Ruffalo, the first Avengers. Uh, I, well, um, see, see, that's the thing. Yeah, they do a really great job with it in the first Avengers up until the end where he's like, that's my secret, Cap. I'm always angry. And then it's like, what? So... Where was all that tension in the earlier part if you're just like that, like, you know, blasé about it? It's just like, oh, yeah, I can just, you know, summon up the Hulk whenever. It's great. You know? Well, <laughs> so, I think I think I like that, though, because I feel like that's the thing is he's always like 
on the brink and he's been holding it back and that is the tension mm. and then the thing is he's trying to control it more and i feel like that's probably i mean that's the arc is that he's controlling it more uh he's he is instead of like trying to keep it at bay he's like embracing it mm. so i feel like that's a natural progression for the character and like and that ultimately winds up in in-game him just like being sort of symbiotic with it or whatever so I, I can see that to a certain extent, but I can take I don't I disagree with like not taking it seriously. I think it I do take it seriously because I feel like um, it's it is it's like a progression. It's an arc, whereas like with the Bill Bixby version, it's very much that, you know, old school style of uh, television of just resetting everything. So like he mm -hmm. doesn't really have a character arc. He's he's just always, oh, no, I'm going to hulk out. And then he hulks out like every episode. So I think it's more interesting to have some changes as it goes on you know mm -hmm. so yes and no i agree with with you so <laughs> okay and uh, angie did you ever uh, see the old incredible hulk show i've seen a handful of episodes long time ago. See, I just think of it as something that's just, like, part of, like, life, because it was one of those things that was always on when I was a kid, but, you know, I realized that, oh, wait a minute, maybe that isn't universal. Um, but yeah, so, um, what do you think about Ferrigno's comments? Well, I feel like, in fairness, I have to counter Ryan's two experiences with Ferrigno <laughs> with mine. Okay. You have the floor. And, and really took some time out to, you know, talk to some kids who had come to I, I, I mean it was nothing super special but just as a you know panelist at our local con a couple of times he he's definitely got above and beyond to stay and talk to the kids and interact and give some really um kind of compelling insights um and i i actually agree to an extent i think timing is more of an issue with uh ruffalo's hulk than anything else because i remember watching the first Avengers where he's chasing Scarlet or uh, excuse me, Black Widow around. And that was scary. It was scary. I rewatched it recently and it's still scary. <laughs> um, you know, you, you felt the threat of the Hulk there, but as time has gone by, just, I mean, if you, the Hulk is just, I don't feel threatened by the Hulk anymore, mm -hmm. any more than I would feel threatened by Captain America. He's just no longer a hero that is, threatening to mm -hmm. me um and and i can see how you know that takes something away from the character it makes him a lot more um like the rest of the avengers it takes away something that that you know i i can see why that would be disappointing um and i i kind of agree with ryan i think if we had a hulk movie just a standalone hulk movie we could delve a little deeper into that and get some of that back but just by nature of being in Ragnarok and kind of being the one tasked to be the levity in Endgame, um, along with Paul Rudd, like you just don't, yeah, you don't take them as seriously and you definitely don't see the Hulk as a big threatening presence to good guys, essentially. Yeah, I, uh, when I read this, you know, it kind of resonated with me a little bit because um, what they did with the Hulk was one of the things I didn't like about Endgame. Um, I, because see, in the comics, they did the same thing where, you know, they, they had Banner merge the different parts of his psyche together. But the thing was, the way that they depicted in Endgame, he was basically just Bruce Banner with the Hulk's body, which if it's a true integration of the psyche, what happened is, yeah, the Hulk now has Banner's intelligence, but he's a much gruffer 
you know, more aggressive person than Banner was by himself because the Hulk's mind is merged in with him as well. And so that's what we didn't get with that. It just seemed like he was just like, hey, I'm just this, you know, jokey guy, you know, and it was just like he was just Banner with the Hulk's body. And so I wasn't a huge fan um, of that. And, and I kind of agree with Frigno as far as the direction that the Hulk's gone. It's not the direction that I would have wanted the character to go. Um, I definitely agree, though, that the first Avengers movie, I feel like they pulled it off pretty well. Um because, yeah, I mean, the whole thing of just the fear that everyone has of him whenever he, like, shouts or anything, everybody just kind of, like, tenses up, you know, because you get that impression that everyone is terrified of what's going to happen when this guy loses it. And, um, you know, and then after, of course, when Loki is the one that manipulates things so that he becomes the Hulk and he's fighting everybody, you know, I mean, it shows the, the terror of this character. Um, but, yeah, since then it hasn't... Uh, it really hasn't been there, and so, um, yeah, I kind of agree with Ferrigno, I mean, but I, to Joe's point, I would never want it to be like the Incredible Hulk TV show where there was no change ever, either. Um, so while I think Bixby did a great job with it, um, you know, with what he was given. But... Yeah, but it just occurs to me, yes, he was terrifying in Avengers, but then, thinking about it, you have to remember that in Endgame, they were back in the Avengers time period, and that Hulk was still, oh, Hulk hates stairs, you know? And so they basically undid any sort of idea of a progression or, or journey with the mm. character. He was always that kind of muscular, you know, three-year-old muscle-bound uh, uh, destructor. Yeah, he, yeah, inanimate objects were um, should be worried about him, but no one else should be. Okay. But yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm just... I just will haven't been a fan of what they've done with it. I, I'm, I'm curious, kind of curious to see if the Hulk, you know, and what if they will use the Hulk again or in what capacity. They've said that the damage to his arm is permanent um, in Endgame, uh, which, you know, I have kind of problems with because the Hulk's supposed to have a healing factor. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he, he should be able to heal that up. But all right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, all right, so, yeah, I think we have a, this is the one that I enjoyed, because, uh, everybody had a slightly different point of view on it, um, but, um, yeah, so, we'll see if they use the Hulk, and to what capacity they use the Hulk moving forward, and, um, but now it's time for us to talk about Spider-Man, and we're going to do that after this promo from another fine podcast. Howdy! Listen up, I am talking! Now, the question of the hour is, who's got a Doctor Who podcast? Answer, we do. Next question, who's listening to it? Answer, you are. If you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship and you've got any plans to listen to a Doctor Who podcast, just remember who's standing in your way. And then, do the smart thing. Listen to Earth Station Who, right here on the ESO And like we talked about, we're going to um, discuss Spider-Man Far From Home, 
which is the uh, second Spider-Man movie in the MCU. I know you're going to have to have a scorecard here because there have been so many Spider-Man movies in the last 15 years. Uh, but it is the, the second Spider-Man film in the MCU, but the fifth movie with Spider-Man in the MCU. So, um, you know, kind of, uh, kind of interesting there just because he's a character that they've definitely um, wanted to feature as much as possible. Um, you know, since they were able to work out the deal with Sony. Um, so, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember here. Uh, Ryan, were you on the uh, the, the, the Homecoming uh, episode that we did? I believe I was. Yeah, I think I was. Angie, were you on the Homecoming episode? I feel like I talked about Homecoming, okay. but I might have hijacked another <laughs> podcast to do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, okay, yeah. I, I should have looked that up ahead of time, but so... Um, on the Homecoming podcast, um, we kind of talked a lot about, you know, the different iterations of Spider-Man that we've had, um, you know, with the Toby and the Andrew Garfield and the Tom Holland. Um, so, Joe, since you're someone I'm sure wasn't on that podcast uh, episode, why don't you uh, just really quickly tell us what are your thoughts as far as the three different Spider-Men uh, that we've had in the the last uh, fifteen, well, twenty, twenty last twenty years or so. Uh, I really enjoyed the first two uh, Sam Raimi Spider Man uh, movies. Um, I, I pluralized Spider Man, uh, but uh, I, I like the first two a lot because I love Sam Raimi just as a director. Um, Spider Man three was kind of garbage, but not for the reason that everyone thinks is garbage. <laughs> Uh, oh, 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 uh, now I'm curious. Why is it garbage, and why do people think it's garbage? Well, everybody, like, points to the, like, whole emo Spider-Man thing um, as being awful and terrible, and I think it's the only enjoyable part of the whole movie. Oh, Because <laughs> it's okay. ridiculous and funny and silly, and, like, I feel like that is what Peter Parker would be like if Peter Parker thought he was being cool. Okay. And uh, I can see it's that. not cool. <laughs> but he thinks it's cool. And I also just love that scene where he like flips off his jacket and then like uh, Gwen Stacy's hair goes whoosh. Um, but uh, yeah, other than, I hate just that the fact there's like 17 billion vil- villains in it and the <laughs> retcon Uncle Ben and all that. All of it's just nonsense. But the section where he's being goofy, brilliant. And I loved it. Okay. Um, the Andrew Garfield movie. Uh, I liked him better than Tobey Maguire, um, but I didn't think they were better than the first two Sam Raimi movies, if that makes sense. Better Spider-Man, but not better movies. I I would agree with that. Uh, and uh, I liked Homecoming, like, a uh, heck of a lot. Um, I thought, like, it was one of the first MCU movies that uh, had a good villain, for once. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've always, I've actually been a fan of the director uh, for a while. He did sketch comedy on YouTube. Uh, and I, I've, I enjoyed, I was a fan of those from like a long time back. So I'm like super pumped that like he's making Spider-Man now. So him and Christopher Ford, Christopher Ford co-wrote the homecoming. He didn't uh, write, co-write far from home. But uh, they did a bunch of like sketches, and they also did a movie called Clown, which was kind of based on one of their sketches, and another movie called Cop Car, 
which I, I haven't seen either of those, but I've heard they're really good. But I like all of their sketches. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um Yeah, so so it's funny that uh I just looked it up and uh neither Ryan nor Angie were on the Spider Man homecoming episode. So <laughs> <laughs> Law of Averages says one of you should have been, but apparently that's uh, not uh, the way it's gonna work out. So um so yeah, um Ryan, just really quick, uh, the three I mean not not every movie, but just like the the three actors who played Spider Man, how do you feel that they kinda like stack up against each other? Uh, okay, real quick then. I feel like Tobey Maguire made a good Peter Parker. Andrew Garfield made a good Spider-Man. Terrible Peter Parker. And <laughs> uh, Tom Holland, you know, is great at both. Okay. That's I fair. agree with that. Uh, Angie, what about you? Um, I thought Tobey Maguire was too serious. I liked Andrew Garfield. And uh, Tom Holland, I actually enjoy watching his movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, so it's, it's so interesting to me because we've now had three iterations of this character in a very short span of time. That's why I kind of wanted to pull you guys on this because, you know, I feel like every version has gotten something right and something wrong. Uh, like, um, like Ryan said, I think that they nailed the Peter Parker aspect of the character in the uh, Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire movies. And I feel like Andrew Garfield really nailed that quippy, you know, Spider-Man, um, you know, aspect of the character, you, you know. And, the and, friendly and, neighborhood. Yeah, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Um, his Peter Parker was atrocious. Uh, but um, yeah. then, um, you know, Tom Holland, it's, it's interesting because, like, you know, one of the things to me and one of the issues I had with Tobey Maguire is that Spider-Man at his core should be like, like, a comedian, right? I mean, that is, he is he is hilarious. Not only is he a crime fighter that feels all this responsibility to help people, but he is as funny as any, like, you know, comedian you're going to, you know, see on television. And um, that aspect, I feel like, is missing in the Tom Holland version, but I really enjoy watching him. Um, more so than I did with Tobey Maguire, who that was also missing from. Um, so it, it's just kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of weird, you know, but I feel like the MCU puts together a better film overall. So it's kind of like to Angie's point of, I like the Tom Holland movies that it's so much better than the previous Spider-Man movies, but I guess I'm willing to forgive deviations from the character more, you know, from the comic character more, uh, in these movies. Um, but, but with that, you know, being said now sort of putting out like how we feel about, you know, Spider-Man in general, um, far from home. Um, what, uh, how did you feel about the movie overall? Um, start with you, Joe. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, again, much like Homecoming, a villain that was good, fun to watch and interesting. Um, I... I think maybe I don't know maybe the the um the actual road trip type part of it was a little long at times but uh I didn't care. It was all funny and good and the characters were interesting and it made me laugh and it made me cry and I can't ask for much more than that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like the MCU version of Spider-Man has had much better villains than the previous iterations. Mhm. Mm Oh, I love that they they brought back um, Ralphie for, from Iron Man One. <laughs> I was like, 
the secondary villain. That was great. Yeah, that was really good. Yes. No, that was really good and unexpected. Um, I expected some aspects of the reveal just because, and see, that's the thing that's funny to me. Like they were all like hyping it up of, Oh, there's a twist here of the same level that we had in homecoming. And it's like anyone who's ever read a Spider-Man comic is not fooled by the twist in this movie. (laughs) I mean, general (laughs) audiences might not know, but like, you know, this is not the same level as the reveal of Vulture as Liz's dad. Cause that's not from the comics. That's something they changed the relationships and, and, and took two characters in the comics who are unrelated and made them related. Um, so that actually is a legitimate twist. Um, you know, it would fool anyone. Uh, but I feel like the Mysterio reveal was kind of like, you know, anyone who's read a Spider-Man comic knows, yeah, he's lying. (laughs) You know, everything he says is wrong. You know, it's all misdirection. Um, so it was kind of like just waiting for the uh, the shoe to drop there. Um, but uh, Angie, uh, how do you feel about the movie overall? I thought it was a really impressive palate cleanser after Endgame. I think it was a really solid, fun film, but it had enough gravitas to it it was enough of a follow-up um that it made it really satisfying to watch um i do wonder if i would have enjoyed it as much if it had come out at a different time but i think just because of its placement after Endgame, um it was almost perfect just the tone perfectly was what i needed after Endgame to kind of you know chill out and and get ready to ramp up for whatever is coming next okay and um, Ryan, what about you? Well, I I kind of echo that to the extent that this, uh, by necessity, had to be kind of an epilogue to the both Infinity War and Endgame. It's been the first movie in the MCU in this continuity since Infinity War. No, Ant-Man. I apologize. Ant-Man and the Wasp. But otherwise, which kind of was the same thing. Well, Ant-Man and the Wasp were kind of concurrent with Infinity War, so it's they couldn't really deal with the fallout of it. Yeah. Valid, but then, but still, then by that token, same thing. Continuity wise, it's the first one, mm-hmm. you know, post that, and they do say eight months after. Um, so I, I feel like they did a marvelous job at making, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of, yeah. This this movie had to address the entire. MCU, the snap, the blip, and also be a Spider-Man movie. And it didn't do either one perfectly, but mm. it did both satisfactorily. Um, I, I think uh, you can't get past explaining the snap or the blip through a teenage perspective. Because uh, you, you, you wonder this. This is going to have ramifications throughout the entire franchise so how better do you sum that up than a teenager being annoyed that they have to retake the entire school year? I mean, that's perfect, you know? <laughs> and and that, that that set the tone for the entire movie and how I knew this was going to be. And for some reason, in that aspect, it worked. There are things I, – I, it felt more like an MCU movie than a Spider-Man movie. But I, for the most part, I think it nailed the balance and did a pretty good job. I, I have difficulty ranking these movies anymore, but I definitely say it's in the top half, the better half of MCU movies. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that, definitely. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny because I was listening to a podcast before uh, that was talking about 
this movie uh, just before uh, coming in here to talk about this. And, um, uh, you know, a bunch of the people were saying that, you know, they really loved Tom Holland. They thought he was the best Spider-Man, et cetera, et cetera. But they kept saying, like, this movie left them feeling kind of meh. And it's funny because I'm feeling almost the opposite because I'm watching the movie going this isn't really a Spider-Man movie, you know, like Spider-Man isn't the tech guy. He doesn't have the Stark legacy. You know, I always feel like the MCU version of Spider-Man has it way too easy. Um, and so I, you know, kind of have issues with that, but the movie overall, I came out of it really enjoying it, you know? And I, to me, it's like the movie is better than the sum of its parts. Um, so I, I had a good time with it. I mean, there were certain aspects, certainly with Peter trying to juggle like his romantic life and whatever. That's very much like the comics, you know, uh, juggling being a superhero and trying to like get the girl. Um, and that felt like something that was the, the early Spider-Man comics. Um, but, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, and like Angie said, it was a nice, you know, tonal, you know, shift, from uh from you know sort of the heavier movies that uh we've been having so um that was good as well um but uh yeah so i i I guess the thing that i wanted to ask um just to tee up on on what i already said is um does anyone else like have any kind of issue i know that ryan you you were really into comics i don't think joe and angie have you know just from previous things you've said have as much of a touchstone into comics but does any how do you guys feel about Tony being or Peter being like sort of like Tony's heir almost and you know sort of uh, being the the sort of guy that gets these armored suits and things like that which is kind of a departure from you know the Spider-Man character historically um, so uh, yeah um, Angie why don't we start with you on that one um, my husband and I actually discussed this and I think it just within the MCU, it makes sense because who else is going to do it? Like that you've got, who's left. You've got Dr. Strange who definitely, he needs to be doing his own thing. He's not a tech person. Um, and then I guess Falcon may, I don't, it seems like Spider-Man is a, in terms of name recognition, is this like the only one that's left that maybe even could pick up that mantle. But it's funny, one of the kind of meta aspects of this movie, it almost seemed like they were discussing him being Tony's heir in the movie, but I almost feel like it was a meta playtest too, to see if this iteration of Spider-Man can carry, you know, the next round of MCU movies. Mm. And I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, you know, I, I don't know that the movie answered that definitively for me, mm-hmm. but it is it is interesting. I just can't think of anybody who would, within the current MCU, be situated to take up that mantle. Oh, well, they could always introduce another character. I mean, I don't know that it has to be someone in the current MCU. I, I think having the continuity there is better than mm-hmm. starting from scratch. Okay. Um, Joe, what about you? What do you think about Spider-Man and how they're kind of using him with, uh, with Tony's tech and everything in the MCU? Um, I don't mind it too much. I tend to try to not, um, compare it super closely to the comics and everything because it's its own thing. And I think if it works in the universe that they've set up, I'm cool with it. And I feel like it does work with, universe that they've set up so i'm i'm pretty pretty okay with it um he it does feel like they i feel like they didn't want to go the uncle ben route 
mm-hmm. with the responsibility, but they still needed to get in there somehow. And I feel like Stark kind of takes over that role since they don't want to tread the the Ben thing again. Which fair enough. Like, how many more times can we see that and Batman's parents die? So. Well, it, it gets rid of the part that I hate, though, is like how they feel the need to like say like with great power comes great responsibility, but without saying it like they can't use that quote anymore because the Sam Raimi ones did. So like they did some convoluted way of saying it in Amazing Spider-Man. And then it got even more convoluted in Civil War when Peter's like, when you can do a thing, but then you don't do the thing that it's on you. You know, like I'm like, you're trying to say <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility, but you're doing it in such a horrible ham fisted way you know i mean that's meta that's the joke well yeah i know the peter tingle like everybody knows my wife and i hated that because we're like you can use the term yeah we can you can use the term spider sense it's okay to use that term peter tingle is stupid yeah it is stupid that's the joke <laughs> right, but I mean, but to your point, but to your point about with great power comes great responsibility. Mm. That's something Uncle Ben says. That's not something a fifteen-year-old boy says. Right. Yeah. No, it's fair. Well, we still don't know like Peter's actual origin in this version. I mean, it's somewhat similar to something that we've seen before, but we don't know. You know, I mean, obviously Ben did exist because the briefcase has his initials on it that um, yeah, Peter that uses nice. for his trip. Um, but, uh, you know, and subsequently loses, right. (laughs) But, um, you know, so, so, you know, there was a Ben Parker, um, which wasn't clear, you know, up until now, but now it is. It was clear. It was not clear. They would never mention Ben Parker, but (laughs) it it was very possible that this version, there never was an Uncle Ben. How was I not on the last podcast, but I remember having this argument. Oh, because I think we we talked about it on Facebook. I think we had it during Civil War. I'm pretty sure we had it during Civil Uh, War. Maybe during Civil War. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so, 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 you know, he could have had that taught to him and just, we don't see it on screen. So, you know, he still could have used that line. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no way that anyone ever would say Peter Tingle, you know, I mean, so I'd say, I don't like it when the joke is like out of the realms of, you know, you know what would, I would actually say happen. Peter Tingle. Uh, yeah, but Joe, you're <laughs> you're a goofy guy. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, my wife and I hated that. But um, so so it's uh, one of the things I can't remember who brought it up was the I think it was you, Ryan, the reaction to the snap, mm-hmm. and that they sort of dealt with that a little bit in this movie. Um, but do you really feel like, because you, you mentioned something about having, like, deep ramifications, I almost felt like they were trying to, like, sort of, like, say, like, yeah, some stuff happened and kind of, like, sweeping it under the rug uh, in the same way they kind of did the Sokovia Accords after Civil War, um, that it was just kind of like, yeah, they might mention it in this movie, but I bet the next time we have an Earthbound story, they're probably not even going to mention it again. Um, so I'm kind of curious about people's thoughts on that, because... It seemed to me like, yeah, they wanted to reference it, but it didn't really seem like the world had really changed all that much. So there weren't going to be huge ramifications. I think that's going to be a case-by-case situation, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, the movies, I could see the next two or three movies referencing it, it maybe to a lesser and lesser extent. Um, 
but obviously come phase five, it's not going to be such a thing anymore. Uh, and it's also going to depend how it factors into storylines, you know, um, or, or even if it does, like going back to Ant-Man and the Wasp, they were both gone uh, for five years each. So and everyone they know was, so it's not going to affect them. Same thing with Peter and all his friends, pretty much his entire class, except for that one kid. Uh, God. Well, that kid wasn't in and, his. That kid wasn't in his class. That was a kid from a right, previous class, and now aged up yeah. into it. That's what, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, his entire class, with the exception of that one kid, had snapped, and that kid grew up. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I guess it depends how you interpret what I say. But um, yeah, pretty much everyone that needed to be carried over from the previous movie to this movie, conveniently enough, came uh, ahead. Uh, yeah, talks. I know. I kind of looked at that askance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just not... outlier. You know, if it truly is random, there can be a statistical outlier. So, okay. (laughs) Just so happened that everyone important to Peter other than Tony got snapped. Okay. (laughs) Well, we don't know. I mean, like, honestly, they they never explain. There are some people that we still don't, in canon, know. Like, we don't know about May. Did did they? No, she did. Maybe they did. They mentioned that she did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when she's getting her speech. But, um, so, there you go. there are going to be other people. Maybe the principal. I don't know. I, I don't really. Maybe his uh, girlfriend um, from Homecoming. Maybe she's five years older now. Who knows? Um, yeah, so, but that's my point yeah, is finally. that those kinds of things are never going to get referenced because they're not going to bring her back for any reason or anything like no, that. Most likely so. not. But, yeah. Yeah, maybe the vulture has been sitting in prison for the past five years. Uh, I, I did. I did it, really but, hope we were going to get a post credits with him. I was really yeah. sad that we Although didn't. Although the post-credits we did get was Yeah, yeah, no, we're going to get to that. But no, 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 we're going to get to that. <laughs> know, that, that, that was amazing. But, uh, yes. and spectacular. And that, that's your twist. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but to, I, it's, I guess my feeling on the matter is, and this kind of goes back to your previous question, departures uh, within you know continuity, within canon, with, from the comics. I like them. I like when these movies depart from what I expect having read the comics because then I'm surprised because then the power is taken away from me. I don't get to sit on my high horse and go, I read the source material. But, you know, I'm surprised <laughs> as well. And so when they make Aunt May young, when they create a relationship as bad as it was between Hulk, I'm cool with departures uh, from canon in the MCU. Well, I don't even know why you're bringing up though canon because nothing about what happened in Endgame really or resembles departures from Departures from source material might be the better way to say it. Well, I, well, I know, but I'm saying that nothing that happened in Endgame like had anything to do with anything that happened in comics other than there were Infinity Gems. So, you know, my my desire for there to be actual ramifications, you know, that actually cascade out has nothing to do with an expectation from the comics because this is nothing like what happened in the comics. Well, exactly. My point is a departure from in the original, you know, Infinity Gauntlet series, everyone who came who was snapped out, you know, was pretty much almost immediately brought back. I think maybe there's a day's difference or something like that. But um No, 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 no. It was undone such that it never happened. So, so, well, there you go. Uh, o- so, only people who were involved in the actual fight remembered that it had ever happened. Oh, well, there <laughs> Yeah, and we didn't get that here. So, A, that's a departure. And but B, as far as just downstream effects within the MCU as a whole, do I think we're going to see them? The honest answer is I think we'll see them referenced. But as far as major plot points of stories beyond uh, Far From Home, no, I don't because they've got to tell their own stories. And and we don't get the comics. You get you can do you can explore that because you get theoretically you know twelve or more uh, issues. Uh, a year so that you can delve into these things. If they had been able, what I would have loved 
would have been if they'd been able to get Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in on this. And I felt like mm. they could have really done something with it in that kind of day-to-day manner. Because, no, we're not going to see I expect – but we don't even know what the next MCU movie is going to be officially. But whatever – actually, right. if it's Black Widow, it's going to be prequel, so that won't deal with it. So, you know, right. yeah, it's going to be 2021, late 2020, maybe 2021 before we get another movie that happened after this. No. Well, I think part of that is them trying to segue up the timelines again, because now they're five years ahead. Um, but the other part, it, but, the, but, 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 but basically my point is, well, <laughs> well, you know, people are, people are, you know, upset about that because they're like, wait a minute, then their ages, they should be like 17, you know, like Peter was 15 in one movie and then he was 16. And so he should be 17, but they said he was still 16 and that doesn't make sense. And, you know, people who pay way too much attention to that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but, uh, <laughs> But, um, no, so, I mean, you know, I'm still raw about Civil War and that Civil War didn't have the ramifications, you know, that it really should have. Uh, but, you know, I, my, my kind of issue with it is that the MCU Earth should be so different from our Earth now. And I expect, though, whenever yeah. we drop in on it again, it's still going to have the same pop culture. It's still going to have the same countries. It's still going to have all the same, you know, all that stuff should really be up in the air, right? Because if you have half the population snap away, including, like, you know, third world dictators and stuff, and then they come back, there should be civil wars. There should be, like, you know, all sorts of crap going on all around the world. So, um, and I don't feel like they're going to go there. And, and- yeah, why can't that happen? Well, they don't need to. We can assume that it happens off screen. Like, literally, what I expect is in the next Doctor Strange movie for Wong to make a joke how he was Sorcerer Supreme for five years. And, you know, mm. that's going to be that. You know, uh, it, yeah, it's. But, but, but the I, MCU Earth should no longer bear any resemblance to ours, is what I'm saying moving forward. And I feel like they're going to just sort of hand wave that away and be like, that. nah. It's, it's going to bear a lot of resemblance. First off, you had five years from Infinity War to Endgame, which is nowhere near enough time to recover, but it's enough time to begin the process. And then, you know, everyone comes back. That's I think that's where, again, it was the brilliance of using kids here because kids are malleable and adaptable like crazy. And to, so to these kids, it's weird, maybe the weirdest thing that's ever happened to them, but, you know, they roll with it. Mm-hmm. And that's how the world will roll with it. Okay. Um. Well, I mean, even things like half the pop culture icon should have disappeared. So even the song shouldn't be the same songs that we have in our universe because the people wouldn't have been there to perform them, write them, whatever. So, you know, it's one of those things that that's why I thought they were going to introduce the multiverse because I'm like, we really can't continue with this world anymore because it's going to be too different from ours and they're going to have to switch us to a different Earth, you know, that has characters that are sort of like the ones we've seen but not quite the same so um you know <laughs> this, this earth has already had two alien invasions uh it's got gods it's already different from this earth <laughs> <laughs> yeah that stuff that stuff's easy to get around i mean you know okay. that doesn't kill half the population but anyway and bring them back all right <laughs> yeah but five years later <laughs> so that's a huge portion of time when stuff wasn't happening with certain people anyway all right, so um, Angie, what do you think about the whole way that they're handling the, the these post snap? Um, it kind of makes me really sad that there's no more Netflix um, shows. Yes, because I, I mean, what you're talking about—that's drilling down too far. That's such a like in a in a Marvel movie. I don't want to spend the time looking at those sorts of ramifications. That's the sort of thing that I would love to see in like Luke Cage or just something at the street level 
over a, mm-hmm. sh- a short series, that's the sort of thing I would love for them to dig into. But in terms of a two-hour movie or a three-hour movie even, I don't I don't want to spend the time. And so I think what they've done in Homecoming, or excuse me, Far From Home, is actually really cool. It's just the tiniest little things, like when they're on the plane and they're like, oh, excuse me, he's not really 21. Like, because nobody knows how to deal with any of that. Every, I, I, and it's probably all still in flux. And so I'm sure sure like liquor laws are probably screwed up because how do you if you're you know if your birth certificate says you were born five years you know and you're still 16 and you were gone for five years like you're technically 21 how do you handle stuff like that so they're Mm. they're dropping little hints about it and i would expect little hints um in 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 upcoming movies but i i just don't really want them to delve that deeply into it in a two-hour movie no no and i get that and that's why i said that it's kind of like I would almost want them to like reboot at this point, but you know, I, I soft reboot. Um, but um, you know, we'll we'll see how they do de- uh, deal with it. Uh, Joe, what about you? How do you feel like they're uh, handling that? Um, yeah, I I kind of agree. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be a whole movie to just be about that. But uh, I'm I think they uh, it'll just be like little references here and there. And I feel like that's fair because. The movies, the 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 upcoming movies, just need to tell their own story and be their own thing, and not have to have this this big thing hanging over them uh, quite so much. Free it up a little bit to just do whatever they want to do uh, for whatever story they're going to tell. Um, mm-hmm. Though uh, I did have a theory, a theory just popped into my head during this whole conversation. Um, we were talking about how Peter's. Uh, class, the whole class apparently snapped. Um, and I have a theory that Flash didn't. He just got held back five years and <laughs> lied about it when they came back. So. Okay. That's my theory. Th- that's a theory. Yep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good theory. It's headcanon accepted. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that would be so embarrassing. Um... Yeah, I mean, my thing is that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of ambivalent now to the It's All Connected because I've seen, like, the holes in it. Because they want to have that, you know, to say it, but then, like, we can never reference the TV shows in the movies, even though the TV shows can reference the movies. And then there's also the holes in that, yeah, we're going to make sure that, like, you know characters remember meeting each other and stuff like that but like major events that should really carry forward for years you know we'll just sort of name check them and then like sort of sweep them under the rugs like the sokovia accords is the one that i'm still like you know how does peter continue to operate openly if the sokovia accords were a thing you know up until i guess the post infinity war world after the snap and you know and yet tony's the one endorsing him and he was the pro sokovia accords guy and it was I was having real issues with that, and, you know, I wanted there to be more more around that. I can answer that. Yes, Ryan? I can answer that. I mean, the, the very the story, the first, the story on Homecoming was basically Tony trying to get Peter not to be involved, to take a step back, to because, you know, the Sokovia Accords, and, or at least you can make the argument that that was in the back of Tony's mind. Okay. But then the fact that Peter was in Germany, does that mean that he signed the accords? And if so, didn't he have to uh, reveal his identity, at least to some people? Well, maybe he did. And I mean, Tony Stark knew his identity. So it's entirely possible there's a classified database that has his secret identity on it. Mm. I mean, let's let's be honest. The MCU has not been 
given a damn about secret identities almost since its existence. Yeah. No, I know. I know. <laughs> it's a it's a broader shift in the yeah. culture, I think, but because um, it's not just the MCU either. No. But. Well, but I think there's no reason to assume that the Sokovia Accords wouldn't w- would require secret identities to be made public. They would just need to be made knowable to the government or to the to the council. Right. No, no, I agree. It's not the same as what they did in the comics. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but then it becomes like okay, so Peter was a minor. Did that mean that Aunt May had to sign? And if that's <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there's problems there. But anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> that we will hopefully never discuss during a two-hour movie. <laughs> See, Nathan, what you need, what you need, and it's what I've always wanted is like a mashup of the West Wing in the MCU. <laughs> right. I, I would watch the crap out of that show like where the president has oh. to negotiate with Congress and then and meet the ambassador from Latveria. That would be awesome. You know? do, do you know it disappoints me so bad that they passed on the idea of a damage control series? Oh, oh God, I, would yeah. want, I want that so much. Oh, damage control would have been perfect because then you would have, could have dealt with a lot of this kind of stuff in that too. I was hoping so we get something. Um, and instead they just get name checked for like five seconds in, in homecoming i'm so heartbroken i'm never getting squirrel girl no <laughs> okay well you don't know that though <laughs> well i'm not getting the actress i wanted for squirrel girl, oh you know? <laughs> okay okay fair enough fair enough okay you know i mean had ryan you know you might still get howard the duck oh actually they yeah. are they're doing the animated one they're doing the animated one that's right they are that's um true. yeah yeah but um okay so let's let's move on to talk about uh the movie itself wait uh I do want to make one quick observation because I, you're right. Disney Plus is doing these series. Yes, I expect the blip will be referenced in the series, not the other movies. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if like Falcon and the Winter Soldier or uh, Wanda and the Vision because I have an idea, a theory about that one. But I expect they, the blip or the snap will be a major component to those. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so Mysterio as our villain. Now, I don't know if anyone else has any history with the character. I I grew up watching the 90s Spider-Man cartoon as well as reading the comics uh, pretty much at the same time because the X-Men cartoon, which debuted a year before, um, got me into comics. And so I was already reading Spider-Man comics just before I started watching the Spider-Man cartoon. So um, I've... Uh, been familiar with Mysterio uh, the whole time. I-, I will say that in the in the cartoon in the 90s, I was kind of annoyed they went with him having this sort of, like, holographic tech, which was, you know, way beyond, like, anything that, like, anyone could have devised in the 90s. Because he's much more practical effects in the, in the comics. Um, but now that our technology is kind of syncing up more with that, I was a lot happier with that as their sort of way of going with... Um, with uh, in in this, where it seemed like it was a lot more achievable uh, in 2019 or I guess 2023 uh, than it is, you know, uh, than it was then. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, thoughts on Mysterio and the iteration of him here. Um, let's start with you this time, Joe. Uh, like I said uh, earlier, the Spider-Man movies uh, in the MCU so far have had the best villains because they. They they feel more like real people instead of just villains. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I just I I love he's like he's just fun to watch. <laughs> um, 
I'm like, and and I knew he was going to be evil, and I don't feel like that was like a big twist. But like, there was a portion of the movie where I was like, huh, maybe they're not going to have him be evil. That would be an interesting twist. But of course, they didn't do that. And when they did reveal that he was evil, it was like so much fun, and like him just he did the big villain speech, but mm-hmm. in such a way that it was just entertaining to watch. Like he was like just being super hammy and eating the scenery in, in 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 a very entertaining good way. So I I enjoyed him, and I thought, and I I wasn't super sold on him when he first showed up because he's being all serious and everything. Um, but the moment that um, Peter says calls him Quentin or whatever, and he goes, "Hey, call me Mysterio," and then does like the goofy face, mm-hmm. like I was like, "Ah, I'm in, I'm into this." <laughs> Like, okay. he was super charming. It was yeah. good. Um, I am a little sad that we never got to see Bruce Campbell play Mysterio, but this Mysterio is really good, too. So. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I will say that's the one thing about the MCU is that in the back of my head, even though I was 99% sure that this was all subterfuge, it was going to turn out to be Mysterio doing his normal misdirection thing. But uh, there was that 1% where I said, you know, the MCU has done some pretty weird departures in the past. So, you know, maybe they could be doing something where they want us to think Mysterio is the bad guy. And then it turns out it's actually something else and he's actually above board. So, um, you know, I, I did have that at the back of my head as well, that it could be. And, and definitely, I think the fact that it was part of a conspiracy... I think made it a lot more interesting because I wasn't expecting that. And it also gave it a little more credence to how he could pull off something this big. Cause it was one guy acting independently. I'd still kind of be like, eh, but you know, he had a whole team helping him with this. So that makes it a little more believable. I think, um, cause just cause of the sheer amount of stuff that you would have to, you know, keep track of and fake and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, you know, some people setting stuff up and, you know, everything else. Um, uh, Angie, what did you think about Mysterio? Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I have always loved Jake Gyllenhaal. But um, I I really, by the time they were, he did his reveal, I had not only convinced myself that he was not going to be the bad guy, but that I was trying to, like, figure out how they were going to, handle like maybe he really did come from an alternate um uh, you know an alternate reality and maybe the version of him on from earth 616 was the bad guy and like i mean i was trying to like make a narrative in my head that would make it work where he wasn't the bad guy by the time the reveal and so i i think he was incredibly well cast i think he played it incredibly well i loved that they had the juxtaposition of his experience with Tony versus Peter's. Mm. Um, I just thought that was brilliant. And it kind of, you know, with this whole meta theme of, of Tony's legacy and, and what that means for various people. I just thought that was so well done. Um, I just, I, I, you know, I, I watched the Spider-Man cartoon. I knew who Mysterio was. I didn't much care. I guess. Yeah, like I said, I didn't really like him that much in the cartoon. Yeah, I mean, it, it just was kind of a non, you know, the guy's got a fishbowl on his head. It wasn't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't anything cool or sexy about him. Um, you know, so I was really impressed with what they did in this film. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think that whole flashback sequence that they had where they established that he was the guy that came up with the barf tech from Civil War <laughs> and, uh, you know, having uh, his right-hand man being the guy from Iron Man that was supposed to develop the arc reactor and all that kind of stuff. I, I liked that, and I thought that they did a really good job of that, tying that in with, you know, this is about Tony Stark's legacy and sort of dealing with the fact that he also pissed a lot of people off, you know? I mean, so, uh, you know, there's sort of the negative side um, also. Um, so, so I liked that and I thought that was a really good way of working it in and creating something bigger. See, that's where I think the MCU and doing the, it's all connected works well is when they, is when they actually do build on, you know, stuff that they've had in the past. Um, so yeah, I, that part really worked well for me. Um, Ryan, what did you think about Mysterio? Yeah, I, well, I agree. The, the flashbacks, the were great anytime i get to see you know uh, obadiah stand again yeah. as a win you know <laughs> and uh i would love for them to bring him back in some capacity even just for a cameo but um oh that makes me wonder does jeff bridges what? get like a paycheck because they they showed him the scene with him in the uh, in uh far from home maybe <laughs> i mean does he need the money i don't know but you well, know, yeah. <laughs> i mean it's not like disney doesn't have it you know? right well that's true yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh i feel like jill hall was perfectly cast I, I agree with that um so my initial feeling when they when i read his movie mysterio was like you know the david copperfield wannabe <laughs> and uh it just, I was like, oh, why didn't they go with Craven or someone cool like that? But well, I wanted Scorpion because he was so well set up in the in the first movie. I was like, why is it not Scorpion? Yeah, I feel Scorpion's too low level. But then again, I also felt that way about Vulture. So who knows? Yeah, but, no, I think Scorpion's yeah. one of the classic, like you know, uh, you know, Lee Ditko characters that hasn't been done yet, and I think would work really well. But that's just me. well, I think for like the international setting that they went. Oh well, Mysterio, sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, but yeah. that, I'm talking about after Far From or yeah, after no, Homecoming. I, I mean, what I wanted was Scorpion to be the next one. I mean, I can see Scorpio as a villain or part of it, a rogue, you know, the Sinister Six or whatever, some nonsense like that that they do. Um, sure, why not? Why not? Uh, but just for this particular movie, I, if they were going to, I can see, I can see Craven working either way, internationally or, you know, he's come to New York to hunt Spider-Man, whatever. Either way worked. So that was who I was rooting for. Didn't get that. Wasn't really thinking I was going to enjoy Mysterio as a villain. I thought it was just going to be another, you know, Marvel cookie cutter villain disposable, just like all the other, not all the others, but all the ones from phase one and two. And, uh, it wasn't, <laughs> it, it so much wasn't, it's like they've finally broken the mold on, uh, on how to, or found the pattern on how to do a good villain. And, uh, I went into it with my wife who never read a Spider-Man comic book. She knew Spider-Man. She knew the, the biggies. She did not know the twist with Mysterio. And I did not tell her. It's been rough the past you know, six months or whatever, <laughs> knowing what was coming, wondering if she'd get spoiled somewhere along the way, and she didn't. And when that scene happened in the bar, when all the holograms started fading, the look of confusion and surprise on her face, oh my god, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> made the price of you know the ticket worth it right there you know and so it, it in that sense it worked but i do agree that the way the mcu is going it could have been anything he could have been this could have been the setup for him as a villain he's a good guy and then by the end of the movie he becomes a bad guy because they've done that a lot too so it mm -hmm. just the pathos worked i almost feel like they said hey we need a guy that could kind of looks a little bit like rdj a little bit younger but you know can still pull off 
that kind of you know fatherly figure for Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal came, Gyllenhaal came up and it just it was perfect. The but here's where he got terrifying. It wasn't his ambition. It wasn't his. I get. I was with him uh, about the whole Tony Stark being a, a, a real jerk to them. You know, stealing mm-hmm. that made perfect sense. And you know, and he called it barf. Exactly. <laughs> Steve Jobs, Mysterio. You know, just looks so hard right in that scene. And <laughs> and I was with him. I was like, yeah, that's kind of a jerk move on uh, Tony's part. And it also plays back into the fact that. Tony's brilliant, but there's no way he alone could have done all these technologies. Right, these right, right. Yeah, he has to have people yeah, helping. Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. He just gets credit for it because that's the way. That's the way right. capitals- well, he's the one banking. I mean, so he, he's paying for it all. So that's why. Yeah, yeah. You know, he owns Barf. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. So, in a sense, I was kind of with Mysterio and his team to a certain point, but then that one line he makes were now because of you, I have to kill these kids. And that was like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, this is a guy who he's lost it. Any sort of a, mm-hmm. he, he's gone around the bend. He's gone over the edge, past across the line, whatever, however you want to describe it. And that's when I was sold on the character. This is a guy who is so crazy and demented that he can play father figure to Peter, that he can genuinely like Peter. And I hate that I have to kill you, but I'm going to kill you. And he made it work. Mm-hmm. No, no, I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean the whole thing—the whole thing where Fury picks up Peter from you know the airport, or was it a bus, or whatever, or train—I can't remember. He picks Peter up anyway. I knew because he kept saying like, "Who'd you tell?" Yeah, you know, "Who did you tell?" Yeah. And I knew I was like, "This is Mysterio just trying to get his hit list," you know, <laughs> from from you. And so that whole sequence, which was really well done, though, it was visually amazing. Uh, like- yes. I wonder if part of that was, like, inspired by, like, Into the Spider-Verse being so beautiful. And they're like, oh, man, we got to do something. We got to we gotta amp up our visuals a bit. Well, I got to believe they had already planned on Mysterio being the, vision, the, the, the villain um, for this movie, like, well before they saw Into the Spider-Verse. Um, which means that, you know, they, they already had to be planning stuff like this. I mean, because a lot of that stuff is right out of the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of the illusions and the things like, you know, Spider-Man in the palm of Mysterio's hand and, you know, stuff like that. So um, I think that they just have been stepping up their game in general. And it just is happenstance that Into the Spider-Verse came out, you know, half a year before it. Oh, Um, the Spider-Man movies are gorgeous, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but also with that reveal, with the Mysterio reveal that he was a bad guy. It became a different movie. I really felt like I was watching yep. two movies. Uh, the first one was, you know, your teen trip through, you know, road trip, summer camp type movie. And then that twist happened, which wasn't much of a twist if you knew. And uh, suddenly the, it, that's when like the elementals, I my eyes were kind of glazing over. It's just CG. And yeah. then but when Mysterio, uh, then there was a face to the villainy and it changed everything. Oh, by the way, did you notice the reference to Hydra Man? Uh, when Flash was doing a Google search about, you know, because they're watching the, the the coverage, and Flash is like, there's something on here about a guy named Maury Bench who was in, like, some reactor and gained water powers, and it's like, oh my god, they referenced <laughs> Hydra Man in this movie. No. <laughs> We're never going to see him in the MCU, but it was just fun that they referenced yeah. him. <laughs> 
Because, yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that I heard when people were watching the commercials. A lot of people were like, oh, they're going to have Sandman and Hydro Man in this because they're seeing the elementals. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not what these are. Anyway. <laughs> <Cute> <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, exactly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, no, I, I really like Mysterio, too. I think that they used him well. Uh, like Angie said, he wasn't really all that interesting in, like, the animated version. And he's a character where, you know... Uh, you know, it's it's. I, I feel like it's hard to pull off, especially visually. But they sort of tied it in with a sort of Doctor Strange aesthetic that kind of made it work for me, um, and uh, visually. Um, so yeah, I think that he worked on that level, and you know, the whole paternal relationship worked well. Um, I I also it just occurs to me that whether or not, and that's another question: Is he dead? Isn't he? But and in, in that sense, I feel like he's the anti Loki in that. They could use him again and again, and you're just going to get less and less sympathetic with him and love that you hate him even more. Whereas with Loki, over time, you like him more and more and you become more and more sympathetic to him. It's like, yeah, they're, they're opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah, I think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> of the way that they did the whole misdirection and then actual death. You know, part of it. I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, which was kind of disappointing to me, because actually I was hoping that there was going to be a post credit scene with him going to jail and running into Vulture in jail, and then for them to be like, you know, we need to do a team. Because I was hoping for Sinister Six next, you know. And so I was like, yeah, you could do Scorpion and Vulture and Mysterio, and you just need three more people, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going there. Yeah, so um, what about, um, you know, so Peter's got his class with him. We're not going to delve into each person individually, but since his relationship with MJ was a big part of this. Um, of course, she's also a big departure from the character in the comics, where other than the fact that her initials are M and J, she's pretty much a different character. Um, but, uh, yeah, so how do you feel about uh, MJ and the way they did, like, the Peter-MJ relationship? Um, let's start with you, Ryan. Uh, okay, so I know I'm on record here saying I like departures and all that other jazz. Um, right. <laughs> having said that, I kind of feel like they're going too fast with the whole MJ storyline. Unless Spider-Man mm. 3 or at some point, you know, they break up, they go their separate ways to come back again later. But I want to see Spider-Man with the other interests on it in his life. I want to see a Gwen Stacy, which I like. I want to see, you know, other possibilities um, because he's got, he's had other love interests and I just feel like... Right. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, hooking up with your high school girlfriend and having her be the same one throughout the entire trilogy, yeah, that happens. That's great. But I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it's going too fast. I liked MJ as a side character. I liked her, her presence, but mm -hmm. I just don't necessarily like her as a love interest. Uh, I love her snarky attitude, um, her her witty repartee, the fact that she keeps Peter mm -hmm. on his toes, uh, the fact that she's probably the only person in the room smarter than him at any given time. Love all that. Um, but uh, otherwise, like I said, she's, I don't know that this MJ is going to go to college and become a model or anything like that, like uh, in the right. comics. But I just I but know. doesn't need to, Ryan. You want your expectations to be different. Yeah, no, she doesn't need to. I'm fine with that. And that's great. <laughs> that's the departure that I'm all, I'm down with. I'm just not down with uh, um, them being together this fast yeah 
No, I know. Well, that was one of my problems with the Raimi movies was that it was like Peter. It was like they even established that he had been in love with Mary Jane since like kindergarten or something. It was like never wavered. And I'm like, nobody is that hardcore. Where it's like they fall in love with someone at the age of five. Yeah. <laughs> the only relationship I've had that long is pizza rolls. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like everyone has someone. You know, like even if they are like a high school sweetheart that they then marry, everyone's had someone that they dated or wanted to date or something. You know, so yeah, I thought that was a little too much. In those. They were on a break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Angie, what do you think about MJ and the and the relationship with Peter? Um, I really liked the character a lot more um, in Far From Home and Homecoming. I did not know really where they were going with the character. It just seemed mm. like I'm quirky was her only characteristic. I I don't um, mind it so much. Uh, and far from home because it seemed a lot more pointed. Like um, it, it almost seemed like, well, even her ad- admission that she just says true things to piss people off, you know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. or even if they piss people off, kind of gave a little more background to her. I guess I, I liked her better. Um, this is the weirdest quibble I'm ever gonna make about a film, and it might just be because I hate love generally. I don't have <laughs> any patience for it on my television screen, but I. <laughs> I, I know that they're both, like, 23 or whatever. They they both seem so much older than 16. They just, yeah. like, the whole thing felt so weirdly acted to me that either of them was that awkward with the other one. I don't, I don't know what it was. It just rubbed me so the wrong way and just seemed so weirdly pretentious. Yeah, it's weird because, um, uh, you know, I didn't have a problem with the ages in uh, Homecoming, and it's only been two years, but yeah, I had the same thing with this one. I'm like, you people are way older than, you know, uh, teenage, you know, you're not teenagers yes. anymore. And it just seemed a lot more, you know, in my face in this one. Yeah. That's funny, because that's how I felt about Andrew Garfield and uh, Emma Stone, but I didn't mm. have a problem with it in this one, but, you know, okay. mileage It varies. just seems to me like, I don't know, I, either Tom Holland's matured a lot in two years or something, he just doesn't seem like a kid to me anymore like he did in the first one. Hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, and I realize having a 23-year-old play a 16-year-old is not unusual in any way, shape, or form, but just the both of them seemed like they were acting like kids, not really playing them, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anytime this is brought up, I flash back to the Mad TV sketch about pretty white kids with problems, the new show on the WB. And it's like the guy comes by with like a bald spot and he's like, because we're all 13. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like Beverly Hills 90210, where they have like 30 somethings playing teenagers. Mm-hmm. But anyway. um, so, Joe, what do you think about MJ and the relationship with Peter? Um, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was fine. Uh, I thought their awkwardness was very relatable. Um, also, the MJ, the entire time I was watching the movie, like literally like 90% of her dialogue is something I feel like my sister-in-law would say. So <laughs> I can't say anything too bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I liked her. I thought she's, I like, I like her just as a character. I thought she's really, she's really funny. And like, I like that some of that is sort of like, sort of the quirkiness is sort of like a, like a, uh, distancing thing sort of thing mm-hmm. like it's not really how she feels it's just her awkwardness and then i i don't know i kind of relate to that so 
I, I enjoyed her character a whole lot. And I thought the romance aspect was fine. And I thought the ador- the uh, the awkwardness was adorable. So, because I'm an adorable, awkward person. So, <laughs> <laughs> I did appreciate well, yeah. they yeah. let her be taller than him. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Also, I like their kiss. It, like, it was, it was weird, but funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, all these, all of them do go to this, you know, school for gifted youngsters. And it's... Social awkwardness <laughs> and nerddom correlate very strongly, so it played true that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so uh, so for me, the, so this goes back to me saying that like every version of Spider-Man gets some things wrong and some things right. The thing that I've wanted so badly, the cartoon got it wrong, the Sam Raimi movies got it wrong, everybody's gotten it wrong until now. Mary Jane always knew that Peter was Spider-Man. And I've hated all these other iterations where she, like, acts like it's some, like, you know, revelation or whatever. I love that in this version, MJ knew that he was Spider-Man. You know, that she figured it out on her own. That was right out of the comics. Made me happy. I, I, and the thing was, they hinted at it in Homecoming, too. Where she's like, you know, what are you doing, Peter Parker? And she plays it off, but I was like, she knows. You know, and I said that on the podcast uh, for that movie. So I was glad they did that. I was really happy with that. And uh, I think they're cute together. Um, You know, I mean, I don't expect a whole lot out of it because she is such a different character. Um, I do think like what you said, Ryan, that they moved the relationship too fast. But that's going to get into my expectations for the third movie, which I'm going to table just right now. But I'm going to get into that. as to why I think they're going that way. I also really love the scene with him swinging with her. (laughs) Because in the past, when we've seen that, like when he had, uh, you know, Mary Jane in the Tobey Maguire movies, it always seems so sedate. Oh, whoop, you know, swing out with a web line. Whoop, you know, it just looks like they're just like, you know, holding a rope and it's just sort of like, you know, going. I love this that it showed just how frenetic and crazy and everything that experience would be seeing it from like her point of view. How terrified and she was. I, I thought that that visually, right, yeah, how terrified she was, but also, you know, visually like them showing like how crazy that is. So I really loved that, uh, that scene as well uh, with them. So I thought that worked. Um, so yeah, let's talk about uh, just this clash generally. Um, you know, I, you know, if you want to talk about Flash or Ned or whoever, I don't really care. But if you have any thoughts about, you know, the the, the class, um, Joe, what do you think about uh, Peter's friends? Uh, I think fl- I my favorite out of them is probably Flash, just because he's a huge douchebag. Um, <laughs> okay. I just find that whole thing hilarious i also got weirdly sad at the end when his like his mom didn't show up like <laughs> exactly did you um did you notice that when peter had the glasses on and could read what was everybody was texting that even in the bus he was trying to text his mom and she wasn't replying oh i didn't catch that oh man he was like mom are you there yeah yeah it was yeah so they set that up that's good um and I, I don't know i feel like the the you're talking about relationships and whether or not they were felt right or whatever. The whole thing with uh, uh, Ned and uh, oh shoot, I'm blanking on her name, Betty. Betty. Yes, uh, that whole thing doesn't feel real, but it's also really funny, so I don't mind. <laughs> no, no, I was upset that they broke up. They're supposed to get married. <laughs> <laughs> 
they can always get back in the together. comics. Ned, who's a very different character, does marry Betty. But... It was a summer fling. <laughs> That's but, right. <laughs> you know, the the class is whatever. But I I want to give props to Martin Starr because he's amazing. The the teacher. That's yeah. The teacher that is scene great. where he's taking a picture of himself. Oh. Uh, <laughs> That's just that's just a a class and master comedy. Like everything is perfectly. We timed. all knew it was gonna happen. Yeah, but you know it's gonna happen, but you don't know exactly when. Like it keeps teasing right. you, and it's perfect. My my favorite thing still is from uh is from Homecoming when he's like, I can't lose like a student on a field trip. Not again. <laughs> oh god, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Angie, what do you think about uh, Peter's friends and, and I guess adversary in Flash's game? If I could have changed something about this movie, I would have had Ned be unaffected by the blip and be five years older. Um, mm. Not that I didn't enjoy him and their interactions. I just, I think that would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it certainly would have given them another dynamic to play off of. Probably hard to go on the class trip, though. Right. <laughs> which is why which is why the Prowler was not in this film, was they couldn't figure out a way to shoehorn him. Well, maybe maybe Ned could have been recruited by Fury and so he's following Peter because he's with He them. could have he could have been one of the chaperones instead of the other guy that was just no. mean. <laughs> it's witches. <laughs> um any other thoughts on the class? No, I mean that was kind of the the weird Quasi rom com was kind of my least favorite part of the film, so it was fine. <laughs> you see, it tickled me because of the comic connection to that, and I was like, oh, "They're gonna do Ned and Betty! Oh my god, I never thought they'd do Ned and Betty!" So I was just like squeeing, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it was it was fine. <laughs> all right, Ryan. Um. Well, <laughs> they were all individually great characters who had their each little one moment to shine. Uh, yeah, Ned and Betty, they made perfect sense as a summer fling. And as a result of Peter thinking he's going to be clever and get the airplane seats rearranged so that he can sit next to MJ. And he ends up sitting next to his teacher who goes into detail about how his wife faked her death uh, during the, or faked her di- disappearance during the, the blip, which, you know, is hilarious. And you know, it happened, you know, <laughs> these things that happened uh, and a little bit more reference to the snap there. But, uh, oh, and I don't know if it was official during Homecoming, but they've stated that uh, his character is the same character from The Incredible Hulk. So, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a neat little another tie-in uh, to the greater MCU. Um, as far as individual characters, I kind of felt bad for um, – oh, gosh. What was his uh, – the, the kid who was five years – who was suddenly five years older? I can't remember. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really care about him. So. Well, I didn't care <laughs> I didn't about, about him. I learn his name. I, I, he, Brad I, Davis. There, okay, there you go, Brad. Brad. Uh, up, he turned into a jerk at a certain point, you know, with, with the photos, and I got to show MJ. I got to show MJ. Um, up until then, he seemed like a cool dude. And I was like, I, it'd be kind of hilarious if Peter ended up liking him, even though he didn't want to. And uh, you know, they went something with that route, but then. Then Peter tried to kill him with Edith, so that was fun. <laughs> Which, by the way, is anything more Tony than that acronym? 
Um, yeah, no, I love that. Even dead, I'm the hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He puts a contraction in an acronym <laughs> to make it work. <laughs> because, of course, Tony does, you know? I love that. But, no, I mean, I just honestly, uh, if every MCU movie opened with or closed with or had somewhere uh, a five-minute you know, news segment from Betty and her partner, I'd be fine with it. Okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, Brad, I expect Brad to show up as a villain in the next movie in some capacity. Whether he's been given superpowers or not, he is going to be a villain in some capacity. Um, you're going you're gonna to find out he has his mother. He took his mother's name. His father's name is Osborne. <laughs> oh, maybe. I was thinking more Molten Man, but, you know, maybe. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the class was fun. I, I absolutely detest this version of Flash. Um, I've never thought he was really all that worthy of being a bully. Uh, first of all, I think he's kind of weak from that standpoint and he's just basically a loud talking annoyance. So I could really do without him. Um, but I like Ned. Uh, I thought the thing with Betty was cute. Um, you know, and, and the rest of the class is really just kind of window dressing. Um, but I love the teacher. He's also hilarious. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really a whole lot more to go into with them. Um, but I also wanted to talk about our sort of greater MCU characters um, with uh, Happy and um, the the what we thought was Nick Fury and Maria Hill. Um, in this, um, so yeah, um, what do you feel about, you know, I guess that gets kind of back to Peter, you know, uh, playing more of an Iron Man, Tony Stark role in the MCU, but how do you feel about those characters being in the movie and their interaction with Peter? Uh, so Angie, let's start with you. Um, I loved Happy mm. in this film. I thought he was used to great effect. Um, and it's, I, I thought... I'm going to be honest, because like I said, I, I kind of felt like this was almost Spider-Man's uh, audition to you know, lead the Avengers, essentially. Mm. And I didn't really buy it. But at the end, when Happy is watching him build his new suit, I got I bought it. I, I bought in mm. there. So um, I, I really like how he is used. Um, even having him be present more as kind of the, the you know, levity. Uh, it worked. It worked in the film, and and so I enjoyed it. Um, not so much with the with the fake Nick Fury and Maria Hill. I I don't. It was funny, and it was definitely not something I expected. But I don't. It didn't quite work for me. It didn't quite. It almost pushed Nick Fury too far into the ridiculous for me. Um, so I'm I'm not going to complain about it too much. But uh, Happy worked a lot better. Mm. Um, Ryan, would how do you feel about those characters? Well, I mean, I, there seems to be some sort of need in Peter Parker to find a father figure. Um, and at first, um, it was I'm assuming his father, and then I'm assuming it was Uncle Ben, and then it was Tony, and now to a certain extent, I feel like he's transferred some of that onto Happy mm, and uh, to reach. Eh, I don't know. I mean, he, he's, not happy just, with, <laughs> he's not happy with Happy <laughs> and Aunt May. <laughs> Yeah, well, he wasn't happy with the way Tony was hitting on Aunt May either, but, you know, didn't stop him from idolizing uh, uh, Tony. Of course, then again, it might also be an intelligence factor. I don't know. Um, but 
I, I, yeah, I like that they're doing stuff with Happy. I've always thought that he, his character from the Iron Man movies uh, was great. You know, kind of a peripheral, you know, tertiary character, and he's been brought here and expanded and had kind of a larger role. And I'm kind of curious to see if. Honestly, I kind of see Happy as kind of like a – to go to the Netflix show. It's kind of like a Turk character who can pop up in any of the movies and, and have a, a, a role in it. Uh, I don't want – I liked I liked him – I liked when Peter sat him and May down and said, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> uh, and he, Happy's like, oh, yeah, this is this could be love. This could, and May's like, mm, or maybe it was a summer fling. You know? <laughs> and and you know, they just – Got totally different uh, visions of where that was going. John Favreau is great. I mean, lo- love or hate the Daredevil movie, he was great in that as Foggy, and he's been great yeah. as ha- uh, as Happy Hogan, and I absolutely love him. And of course, since he's one of the producers of the MCU movies, you know he can be in whenever he wants to. So, <laughs> and I'm fine with that. I mean, maybe he, I'm torn. Maybe he could be kind of like, and I don't, I don't know. I was gonna say the new Stan Lee cameo, but uh, I don't want to do anything like that. Mm. But um. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I feel like there's room to explore his character, but not too much. He works as a kind of superficial character, as a sidekick. You know, we don't want to go beyond that with him. Um, as far as the Fury reveal, um, it blew my mind. <laughs> and honestly, I have too many questions at this point to, to make any uh, real judgment on it. I, I feel like um but it explained a lot because I do feel like Fury would not have been fooled that easily by Mysterio. I don't know. It just kind of lessened him. I, I get and, and he made that he I came I come back five years and nobody knows who I am or, or I know nothing or, or whatever. And I, yeah, okay, I can buy that. He's been out of the loop. But he still felt like he was striving for relevance in a way. And now that I know that that wasn't really Fury, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um my my biggest issue with the reveal part of it is now everybody's squawking again. Secret invasion, secret invasion. I'm like, it's not secret no. invasion. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. It's just that makes no same sense. Same thing that everybody was saying with Infinity War is everybody was snapped is really a scroll. No, it's not. Stop. <laughs> <sighs> you want to talk about statistically unlikely. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, it's like the scroll are even the bad guys in this version. So it's not secret invasion. Anyway, and it's clear it's clear that they had some deal with Fury and that it was like some arrangement where they were just like making sure that he wasn't like he, he was still visible on Earth or whatever. So it's not like they yeah. kidnapped and him. No, he. Yeah, exactly. He was clearly if he was in a cage, it was a comfortable one, yeah. obviously. Um and that, but see, that just raises so many questions. Like, how long has he been there? I've heard some conjecture that he's been there since he was shot in Winter Soldier. Well, the writers have said that it that it was the real Fury at Tony's funeral, so it's sometime since then was the replacement. Yeah. So, and so maybe you all noticed. I read somewhere that someone observed. It looked like he had, um, like, uh, his legs had atrophied, and it was hard for him to walk or something like that. Um, I didn't really pick up on that, but maybe other people saw that. Mm. I didn't see that. Hmm. It just looked to me like he had been in that lawn chair a long time. (laughs) (laughs) He was in Tahiti. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Magical place. (laughs) That was a nice visual reference because that was the exact, you know, beach that they had in Agents of Shield um, for that. Probably the same Um, stock footage. 
Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but I like to think it was done on purpose. Right, yeah, no, I think so too. It's like, yeah, it's like we'll never verbally acknowledge Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the TV show, but we can, like, you know, do visuals, like showing Jarvis in a background scene in Endgame, and now we're showing Tahiti, so. Um, so, yeah, Joe, what do you think about the, uh, about our greater MCU characters? Um, yeah, when, when watching it the whole time, I was like, man uh fury seems kind of out of character and like more mean than usual mm-hmm. like, like that was like the only down point of the film that i was having not too much because it was still like fine or whatever and then when that twist happened i was like oh okay it all makes sense now <laughs> and i also love the like joke of like hey people keep asking me where the avengers are and i don't know because that's like a question everybody asks, like when like the trailers come out and they're like, well, "Why aren't the Avengers there? Why aren't the Avengers there?" That's because yeah, it's not Nick Fury. So I love that. Um, well, that do you remember? I'm sorry, I just want to ask because you reminded me when Peter says Captain Marvel, Nick Fury said something like, "Don't say, don't her, say name. her name." Yeah, yeah. Don't and, invoke and, that name. Yeah, and in in light of that revelation, that kind of puts that into a whole new light. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be redundant, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was just bitter that she hadn't like come back, you know, uh, when when they needed her. But yeah, now that we know it was the scroll saying that, that that yeah, there's some other meaning there. Um, it's a hint. Right. <laughs> For whatever that was that we saw in the postgrad. I have this bad feeling now that what they're going to do is they keep showing us these out of context scenes as post credits for like the next few Marvel movies until they finally reveal what in the world it is that we're seeing. Because <laughs> it's the yeah. thing, it's like the the mid credit scene excited me for the future. That post credit scene just made me go, uh? You know, like it didn't really excite me, it didn't really like interest me. It was just kinda like I would like to know what that was but yeah. you know whatever <laughs> so yeah well i guess we'll see but i i have this weird feeling especially if the next movie is a black widow prequel that's not going to explain what that is so um i have this weird feeling they're just going to show us a bunch of out of context you know things until we finally get some reveal um down the road um about happy hogan though uh I just want to say, I think it's so great that he's still involved in the MCU, having started it, basically. So I'm very, very pleased about that. And that entire scene with him and Peter in the jet, and just that entire scene, like, I was just, like, crying the whole time. And just that shot where he's just looking at Peter as Peter's putting together the, the, uh, the outfit, and it's just like... Like, he's sort of watching Tony Stark again, and, like, ugh. Just the look on his face just made me weep. Just made me weep. It's just good stuff. Mm. Yeah, I mean, all the stuff they do with Happy is good. Like, Happy being the one that's sort of, like, you know, talking with uh, Tony's daughter in Endgame and talking about getting her a hamburger or a cheeseburger because that's what their dad liked, you know, and, you know, stuff like that. It's well, just... he does in Iron Man 1. Right, it's so right. good. I love yep, that callback. Yep. Happy brought the wisdom, though, in, in that scene on the plane. He basically explained to Peter, mm-hmm. you don't need to be Tony. You need to be you. And I don't know, maybe that's a recurring message throughout uh, the MCU. Same message Thor got from his mom. But Peter needed to hear that right then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think it also did him well to know that Tony second-guessed himself a lot. So, yeah, be you, but also know that second-guessing yourself doesn't make you, like, any less a hero because, you know, that's, you know, that's something everybody does. Um, Actually, there's probably something wrong with you if you never second-guess yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, no, Happy, oh, God, I love Happy. And um, the thing that I think is hilarious is because Favreau cast himself as Happy, because in the comics, once, you know, because Tony doesn't marry Pepper in the comics. Like, they just date for a while, and then Tony moves on, because he's a playboy, right? But Happy is the one that ends up with Pepper, and he always said, like, yeah, I cast myself as Happy because I want to end up with Gwyneth Paltrow. Now you see what's going on, because the MCU went a different direction. Now he's like, oh, I'm going for Marissa Tomei. You know? <laughs> it's a win-win, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I thought that was hilarious, and it kind of meta sense that that's what Favreau you know it's like yeah happy could have a relationship with Aunt May yeah <laughs> you know? so, um but so I thought that was cute too um but uh yeah I liked I like the fact that he kind of has respect for Peter and you know the relationship has really changed from homecoming where happy just thought that Peter was just this nuisance that Tony was making him like deal with and, you know, now he has this respect for him and, you know, he sees that Tony put all of that faith in him and everything. And I just like all the levels of that. And, and like you guys have said, uh, something felt wrong about Fury in the movie. I felt like he'd become too much of a joke character and I was kind of a little annoyed with that. I'm not sure that I... I'm not sure that revealing it was a scroll made it better for me, because now I'm just annoyed that he was a scroll the whole time. So <laughs> I'm not sure that I really, you know, cared about it. I, I, I didn't like what they did with the scrolls in Captain Marvel. Um, you know, I, I don't like making them just this sort of sort of light comedy aliens. Um, so I don't know. Um, so we'll see. You know where that's going, because it's obviously going somewhere with the uh, with the reveal with. Uh, Fury actually being on a spaceship at the end. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, wrapping things up, let's talk about that mid credit scene. Because, like I said, the problem that I've had with the MCU Spider-Man is that he's had it too easy. You know, in the comics, Peter's just got, you know, it coming from all angles. Aunt May's always sick. He's got to make all the money to help her out. You know, uh, everyone thinks Spider-Man's a villain, you know, because they misunderstand the things that he's doing. And so he's always trying to struggle against that. And, you know, I've always felt, you know, at worst, like Peter in the MCU has just got kind of a people sort of think like, oh, well, he's just not really that special as a hero, you know. And I'm like, that's not really that much of a negative. Um, but, yeah, then we have that mid credit scene. So, um Joe, thoughts when you saw that? Um, well, I cheered because uh, <laughs> perfect casting. <laughs> you mean the best cameo ever in the MCU? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> best mid credit scene ever just because J.K. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. That's just perfect because like, there's no one else that can play J. Jonah as, as well as J.K. Simmons. So I'm glad they just went, whatever, just do it. <laughs> Well, see, I hate saying things like that because there are so many talented people in the world and there are so many interpretations you can put on a character. I always hate to say there's only one actor that can do a character, but he is great. Um, Yeah, that's fair. I actually heard someone uh, suggest uh, Jane Lynch as Jay Jonah, and I was like, that's that's actually not a a bad idea. But yeah, (laughs) J.K. Terry Crews. 
that's not a bad that's not a bad choice either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're not casting a new J. Jonah Jameson because they're obviously going with J.K. Right. Simmons. And I like anyway. the idea that he's sort of like this Info Wars thing. Like, that seems like mm-hmm. what it would be now because instead yeah. of a newspaper. Right, yeah. Yeah, the, the power of the newspaper has decreased a lot in the modern era. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's, a, that's a logical extrapolation. Just a loud, shouty guy. So it works. <laughs> yeah. And it also made sense why we never saw... I mean, besides, of course, rights issues, why well, we never saw the bugle in the Netflix shows. It was always the bulletin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I am a, I, I am a little, like, slightly bummed that we're not going to have more, you know, secret identity stuff, because there's not a whole lot of that in the MCU. Mm. But it'll still be fun to see how that plays out, so. Okay. Uh, Angie, what did you think when you saw that that sequence um, in the credits? Um, I didn't really know what to think. I didn't expect it at all. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's interesting because we we even though secret identities aren't really a thing in the MCU, a secret identity for somebody that like has to go to school and lives in Queens is definitely something new, right? Tony Stark, what, he owned a, not an island, like an archipelago or something that he built, you know, I mean, Thor lived on Asgard. Like, none of, yeah, these people didn't have secret identities, but they were so far removed from day-to-day life. Like, they didn't Mm -hmm. really have to interact with anybody. Um, So I think exploring, like, Peter Parker living in New York without a secret identity could be really interesting. But I, I don't know where they're going to go with it. Uh, I'm just kind of excited to watch it. Okay. And did you have any reaction to seeing J.K. Simmons? Oh, so, um, no. And then my oh, okay. mentioned it later, and I was like, oh, right. Like, I don't, my brain just accepted that this is normal, and I forgot, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that he wasn't there already <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> no that's fair i mean actually that's 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 really fun that you just like well that's logical it's it's jk Simmons. Yes. <laughs> of course it is he's uh and so ryan thoughts on that mid-credits sequence well uh, okay so i feel like spider-man in the mcu has been a a weird but slow burn. Like you said, this is his fifth appearance, and in mm-hmm. the entire time he's been, you know, fifteen or sixteen, and we're doing the whole hype Peter in high school storyline, and it's just kind of. But I dig it. It's like okay, so we're just gonna take this nice and slow and ease into it, and then that mid credit scene, it's like things that were going the pace of a snail suddenly were going, you know, in hyperspace or something like that, and it, it's it. The, the world just smashed into Peter in that instant, and it kind of mirrored in the opposite way Iron Man 1, where at the end of it, Tony reveals, I am Iron Man, and here, because it was his choice, and here, Spider-Man is, if not by Peter's choice, taking the reign as the the central character of the MCU, and he's had the same, he's had his identity revealed to the world as well. It just wasn't his choice. So there's kind of a, a certain uh, symmetry to that, which is um, interesting. Um, but I, yeah, I wonder where they're going to go with it too, because it's, it's, yeah. How, how do you, how, how does he continue? He can't go back to school unless it's like, 
immediately disproven. And even at that, the way the world works nowadays, something can be immediately disproven and there's still going to be people who believe it. Um, although I guess this does remove the threat of the vulture uh, revealing his identity. But uh, yeah. yeah, but now everybody in prison knows who he is. So that's not it's not it's yeah. not removing the threat. It's the threat has now been you know released. Well, I guess I guess May's just gonna have to move in with Happy for protection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But as far as uh, J.K. Simmons, um, I know this is gonna sound kind of petty or whatever, but I kind of wish they'd put the wig or the toupee back on him. Mm. Other than that, he was perfect. Yeah, no, I had the same feeling about that. I want him to look more like uh, the Jonah from the yeah. comics, but um, but no, I was you know, and, and and like I said, I mean, you know how they how they did it, you know, the Daily Bugle. It's now uh, you know like a website and everything else. I mean, I think that that all makes sense, and the fact that he's still railing against Spider Man and you know the kinds of things he was saying, it felt like Jonah. Yeah. Right. You know, like trying to trump up people against Spider Man and depicting him as the villain and everything else. So I, I liked that, and so I I like the fact that now he has to, this version of Spider-Man has to deal with that antagonism, uh, but he hasn't had to deal with yet. Yeah, but Jonah's not going to hire Peter or buy Peter's photos now. No, <laughs> I know. No, well, see, here's the thing. All right, so you keep saying, like, what, what, are, we going to, what are we going to see from here forward? I, I actually think it's kind of obvious. I mean, I've been joking that they're going to do one more day, but I don't really believe that, which is the story in the comics where Peter basically makes a deal with a devil-like entity. Uh, known as Mephisto, that if Mephisto, like, wipes everyone's, or, you know, it's it's different in there because yeah. he's trying to bring Aunt May back to life who had died. But basically, the the deal is he and MJ, like, are never, we're never together if Mephisto wipes everyone's memories that he's Spider-Man. Uh, so, but I don't think that's where they're going. I was just joking about that. But it got some people upset when I said that. Um, but what I think is obvious is, especially with the rumors being that they're going to do Craven in the next movie, um, Peter is no longer going to be Spider-Man at the end of the movie, whether he dies or whether he just gives it up and they're going to do Miles as the one after that. I, I think that that's because there's no way that Peter can operate as Spider-Man once his identity is known. So either he has to give it up or he's going to be killed. Um, and I think that's where they're going. Well, giving it up won't stop him from being a target. Well, no, because he can go into, like, an Avengers headquarters or whatever and, you know, be, like, just the tech guy. Oh. So if they want to keep Tom Holland... He can become Ben, ben Riley. Uh, right, if they want to keep Tom Holland, they can just make him the tech guy that supports the Avengers or whatever. Or if not, they can just kill him off. But either way, I think they're going to go the Miles route after this next one. What were you saying, Angie? Like, he can go be Iron Man. Right, yeah, some sort of Iron Man. Although I'm, I'm, I would be surprised if they're gonna do any more with Iron Man if they don't go the Riri Williams route with that, just because it seems weird to force Peter into that position of being Iron Man when we have, you know, a more diverse character that they could pull from, um, you know, to to fill that role. But I don't know, maybe. Um, but yeah, that's that's my conjecture. I think whatever Spider-Man 4 is, it's going to be Miles. People have been clamoring for it anyway. I would have liked to have seen Tom Holland for longer. I knew Miles was inevitable, but I, you know, but I feel like with that with what they've done, that that's where it's going to go. They can just shove him in with the Guardians of the Galaxy like everybody else. <laughs> 
Yes, basically, Guardians of the Galaxy is just like this is the old Avengers. You know, Hawkeye's gonna join <laughs> Spider Man. You know, old Cap's gonna be there. Thor is <laughs> there. Already. I mean, you know, you're forgetting the the time tested uh, method. They could just have Peter and Spider Man be at the same place at the same time to prove that he's clearly not Spider Man. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if they had done that, they would have not had Aunt May know either because that was my thing is like after you know homecoming i'm like oh they're gonna have like peter be like oh Aunt may this is a, just a costume you know it's not right. really i'm not really spider-man they didn't go that route so i'm like they're i don't think they're gonna backpedal on this because that's the easy way out um so i think they really just don't want him to have a secret identity i think spider-man 3 will involve uh peter and may living under false identities and he's gonna be ben riley maybe I think if they invoke the Spider Clone Saga at all, it is a mistake because all that that will do is get people angry. <laughs> people are gonna get angry anyway. The hatred, <laughs> the sheer hatred, the thing that got me to stop reading comics. No, no, I don't think no. <laughs> There's nothing about that storyline that was any good. Why? Why would you bring it up, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. All right, but yeah, no, well, we'll see. But yeah, I expect that we're gonna get most. Spider-Man was great. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I would have at least liked to have seen Peter, like, grow up a little bit, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> everyone's saying they're following the Ultimates more, and I think Peter died pretty in an Ultimate universe, so we'll see. All right, so, yeah, uh, anything else to talk about with Far From Home that we haven't mentioned? Uh, Angie, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Mm. Not that I can think of. Come back to my Okay. okay. Uh, Joe, was there anything else you wanted to talk about with the movie that we didn't touch on? Um, no, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Uh, Ryan? Well, I have two things, so you're on the okay. <laughs> No. Uh, no, just one was, one's just a quick observation and one's a rumor. And uh, the observation is they did that thing, which they do more and more, where they have something in the trailer that's not in the actual movie. And that would be the scene with Peter in the iron uh, spider suit um, talking to the cops after he's, I guess, foiled a robbery. And it looks like like maybe in a Chinese food restaurant or something like that. And you know, he says – they say, are you going to be the next Iron Man? And he says, no, I'm you know, too busy doing your, your guys' jobs. And uh, mm. I was looking forward to that scene. <laughs> I, I really wanted to see that scene. And I, I don't know. I just – I'm kind of – Well, the DVD will have it in the deleted probably, scenes, Probably, so yes. Watch it there. Yeah, I can find it online, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know. I just, I, I'm kind of annoyed with just this habit. Uh, I feel like it's a, almost like a gimmick to make me buy the DVD or, or the um, – blu-ray or whatever and that's kind of annoying but you know whatever um, there's a reason why disney is spelled with the dollar sign yeah yeah <laughs> they know what they're doing you know? Right. <laughs> you know? and frankly i if it's it's a two-minute scene i would have sat in that seat two minutes longer just for that <laughs> you know but um there's a rumor going around i don't know how much credence it has that uh marvel will lose creative control over spider-man if this movie doesn't make a billion dollars Hey. Yeah, um, I, I don't think that there's any credence to this rumor. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it's really going to be an issue because I think it's going to probably make it at mm. least a long haul. But uh, it does just play into my one. Basically, this is my my thought process here is would Marvel bank so much on a character that they don't have 
full control over. I mean, are they would they really set Spider-Man up to be the new tentpole character, central character, the new Iron Man-esque character in the MCU going forward if they didn't have full control over him? And I just I think that's a risk that Marvel or oh, Disney wouldn't take. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I, I understand what you've been saying, Angie, but I, I think that because of the reason that they don't actually have control of the character, they just have an understanding with Sony right now that they're never going to let him be like like the 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 thing that the and the phase pivots around um because yeah there have been lots of rumors swirling around ever since venom did so well that sony is like oh maybe we don't need the mcu we can we can do our own movies and they can you know be just fine and then we can just make all the money ourselves so wait venom did well oh venom did phenomenally well i don't know why because it was awful (laughs) but it almost made a billion dollars itself it made like 800 and something million. It makes no sense. It was great for like a 90s comic book right. movie, but in this day and age, it made no sense. I mean, yeah. the only thing that anyone's been able to think of is that the fact that it was just a superhero movie in October when there are no other superhero movies and people that were hungry for that kind of thing, that was their only place to go. That's the only thing I can think of. I've seen a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of stuff on Tumblr of people that just like it because they, they, they ship Eddie and... Uh, Venom. Okay. So they they like the romantic aspect of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Uh, okay. I mean, it was fine. I don't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I actually haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. You know, because now Sony's planning all these movies with the various Spider-Man ancillary characters that they have access to. So there's gonna be a Morbius, the Living Vampire movie, and I forget. There's one other one. I think they're developing Nightwatch into a movie. There was Black there cat? was a Black Cat and Silver Sable. Why they decided to merge those two characters, I don't know. But there's a Black Cat and Silver <laughs> Sable one that they've that they had in production, and then they shelved it. So I don't know if they're gonna put it back. But basically, they're trying to develop as many of those characters as they can into their own movies uh which are sort of in their own side universe um so yeah i i don't know i I mean they all seem like mistakes to me (laughs) there's a reason why these characters have never held their own comic for long because they're not that interesting venom is the only spider-man side character who's ever been able to hold his own book uh, and even then, it hasn't, you know, I mean, it's been rocky. But we'll see. Maybe maybe Morbius, played by Jared Leto, will be, like, the greatest movie ever. Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I would hate to be his castmates. Like, the way he gets into character. Oh. <laughs> I'm just imagining Morbius. I'm just imagining Morbius with all the bling and, like, the gold teeth and everything. Like, he played his joke. i just thought of something i want to say about uh far from home that that didn't get brought up that i think is really neat uh if you watch it again apparently in the scene where um peter is buying the necklace for mary jane or not mary jane mj uh in the background you can see quentin beck in a very loud hawaiian shirt like stalking peter uh, yeah, just huh. very subtly in the background, keeping tabs on Peter. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that Peter had no issue with, like, all these people seeing his face. You know, it's like, you know, hey, this guy that I don't know, you know, you can see my face, you know, and everything. But, you know, it ended up not mattering because he already knew. So, you know, but, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, the whole plot of the movie revolved around Beck getting 
Peter Parker there because he knew Peter Parker inherited Edith. Mm-hmm. So he already right. knew, you know, uh, about her to begin yeah. with. And so, yeah, I'm glad that they actually, like, developed that and actually made it into a reveal because I was like, why would all these people know? Because, I mean, once you knew Beck knew, you knew the whole conspiracy knew because Beck even toasted him. You know, like, to Peter Parker! So it's yeah. like, I'm like, why would these people just sit on that information? It was like, oh, no, they didn't. Okay. <laughs> you know, that makes sense, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I I, I I don't know. I mean, this is going to be really interesting, but I, I suspect it's going to segue into a Peter giving up the Spider-Man identity. Um, but we'll see. All right. So, um... Let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us online. So, Angie, let people know if they can find you online and say your goodbyes. Um, just here. Only here. You can find me. <laughs> um, I did think of something. Maybe you know. Um, the lady who gave, who made the awful Night mm-hmm. Monkey costume, um, is she like a thing? <laughs> is she a comic character? I googled it, but I didn't find no, anything. No, I, I mean, I don't think so. They didn't give us enough information, really, to go by. I don't think to peg her to... A particular character. Okay, well, it's a terrible costume. She should be ashamed of herself. <laughs> I think it was supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> um, anyway, yes. So I'm a 42 cast exclusive. You can find me here and nowhere else. And have a nice night. <laughs> All right, uh, Joe, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Um, I, uh, you can find me on watchyourassalon.com, which is uh, where our podcast, The Watchathon of Rassalon, is that's our doctor who podcast me and my wife do um nathan's on it quite a quite a bit um i also do videos and stuff which you can find on mintypineapple.com i'm minty pineapple all over the social medias so if you want to do that thing you can do that thing and uh good good goodbye bye (laughs) uh ryan want you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you yeah, not going to say goodbye to the internet. Um, if you want to read three-year-old reviews of movies, bam, go to <laughs> geekstranger.com. I got you covered. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I just, for all the unposted ones that you have sitting there, just to, all you need to do is press a post button yeah. and you just won't. You know, that's not true. I got to go through it a final time. Um, I really need to rewatch. Transformers the last night before I post that. <laughs> oh, nobody needs to rewatch Transformers <laughs> the last night, Ryan. I'm not even sure how much relevance it would make. I alluded to a McDonald's campaign for their artisanal burgers, and I don't know if that's still a thing. You know? <laughs> you know? But yes, internet. find me at geekstranger.com, uh, or you can check out my Twitter uh, at geekstranger. Um, but, you know, at best, any of that will just lead you to my Facebook where you can uh, really just watch me get into political arguments with my family. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, yeah, post an opinion. Tell me what you think or don't think, why I'm right or wrong, mostly right. And uh, I will either agree with you or um, tell you that you're wrong. Uh, If you don't hear from me again, and this probably won't be up in time, but I will be at Dragon Con this year. um, And, you know, track me down there. I, I feel fairly confident that barring hurricanes, I would be on panels. 
right? I actually know that I'm going to be on a panel. I have one confirmed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, Apocalypse Nine. Track. I'm going to be on uh, the Falling Skies panel. Falling Skies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I will be on any panel somebody will put me on. So, you know. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm easy skitters, that way. Because that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Ryan, Joe, and Angie, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was a pleasure. Great time. And that's it for Spider-Man Far From Home. There was no way we could have known it at the time, but of course, now that Disney's been making announcements, we now know that everyone in the Marvel Universe is going to be in Spider-Man 3, and even some people who may or may not be part of the MCU anymore because they were part of Marvel TV projects, but that's a whole other podcast, but you know, there are rumors that Daredevil and Kingpin are going to show up, so who knows at this point. It's too bad in some ways that we didn't know that when we were talking about this, but I think We talked about the movie as it was, which was the most important thing, but definitely moving forward as we hear more about what Marvel is doing, we're going to have some podcasts themed around that. But what we want to know right now is what did you think of the episode as we presented it? Did you like it? Do you like our guests? What would you like to see out of the show that we're not doing right now? You can let us know in a whole bunch of ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or another way is to tweet to us at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. And again, I do want to mention, leaving us reviews on Apple Podcasts does help to promote the show. The more reviews we get, the more that they will promote our show. So I would appreciate if each and every one of you would go out there and review the show just so that we can give Apple more reasons to put our show out there and hopefully get us more listeners. I also want to let everybody know about the ESO Patreon. That's patreon.com slash ESO Network. It's just a way that you can help support the entire ESO Network and all the shows on it. Different tiers give you different options, but you get access to early episodes of shows on the ESO Network. You get some exclusive episodes of shows on the ESO Network. So check that out. Once again, it's patreon.com slash ESO Network. And if you would like to contribute, you have the ability to contribute, then we would greatly appreciate it. But yeah, other than that, nothing to report at this time. I do not know when my next con is going to be. At this point, it's going to be Chicago TARDIS 2021, which won't be until November of this year. But if I hear of any other virtual cons, if Sean ends up doing another round of Pop Pop Con Con, I might do that. So just keep looking to this space to see what we come up with. Just keep looking to this space to see what I report. But yeah, that's a wrap for this episode. Join us back next week when Roy Thomas will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to The 42 Cast, copyright 2020. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42cast is a proud member of the ESO Network.
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.